For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. A well-oiled machine this broadcast continues to be. I'll blame Remus. Who else to blame? It's Remus. Producer Tim. Producer Tim. It could be Tim's fault as well. Remus's fault. Tim's fault. Definitely not our fault. Definitely couldn't be that. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Two hours of Winnipeg Jets talk for you on this Saturday morning. Training camp rolls on. The preseason schedule rolls on. It was a barn burner. Not really loud. Last night in Ottawa, but there was a hockey game played. And as each and every exhibition game gets played, that means we are closer and closer to games that matter coming up in a mere matter of days, about 10, 11 days from now. It all gets underway in Calgary, Alberta. The Winnipeg Jets will do battle with the Calgary Flames to start the 23-24 season that coming up on Wednesday October 11th and in one hour's time at the top of our number two, 10 a.m. We have some important information about that game. You'll want to have pen and paper with you so that you can take notes accordingly. But in the interim, while we wait for Ezzy's computer to reboot, I say good morning to my good friend, Dave Manouk. David, nice to see you on this Saturday morning. It was great seeing you in person last week, but it's even better to see you not in person this week. <laughs> All right, Drew. I appreciate that. Thanks for uh, that that beautiful welcome. Uh, Thank you. I agree. It, it, we we had a great time last week. The live shows are always a, a blast. We always have yes. a good time getting a chance to see everybody and talk to people. Rowdy just uh, messaged us. Rowdy thankfully took a picture of us. It was uh, good enough to be the feature picture last week on the show. The thumbnail, of course, for this show. And uh, we again, we it was great to get a chance to meet everyone and give mini sticks and pucks to young fans, and that was kind of fun. And then. Stuck around and did a lot of work after the fact and got a lot of training camp stuff up on our YouTube page and on our IllegalCurve.com website. So uh, lots of info this last week that we've been posting on the site and, of course, on our YouTube channel. So yeah. it's been a busy training camp so far, uh, but I'm loving it. It's great. Uh, content is nonstop from 9 o'clock in the morning till 5 o'clock in the evening. There is tons of information and of course you can find that information on a little website called illegalcurve.com nothing makes dave happier than having loads of content to post it's true nothing gets a bigger grin on his face than when dave has got audio he's got video he's got game stories he's got game previews he's got it all the man is as happy as can be when he's got things to do along those lines nonetheless let's get into it of course we you know training camp is rolling on we're probably not going to do a deep dive into last night's game against the senators but you know there's the bigger picture stories the things that are developing you know you there's always storylines in training camp of course and i would say that you know for some of the winnipeg jets players so far particularly nikolai healer some of the other guys who've been banged up you know injuries have been a factor the hope is or the presumption is based on what rick bonus said earlier uh yesterday i believe dave is that they're getting healthier and they expect to have more people uh 
back in the lineup, more of the mm-hmm. regulars playing the final two preseason games, yeah. Monday night in Calgary, and then Thursday back home in Winnipeg for the final game uh, the, of the preseason against the Senators. So, you know, Ehlers is getting there. He shed the yellow jersey, which, of course, I think was a, a, a big sigh of relief for most certainly the Winnipeg Jets organization, certainly Nikolai Ehlers himself, and, yeah. of course, fans of the Winnipeg Jets who haven't seen that you know, that, that redesigned second line, you know, yet altogether, you know, the, the line that's expected to be Perfetti and Ehlers and, and Niederreiter. And of course, Perfetti took that bad hit. And yeah. somebody asked us and, and sent us a message on, 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 on Twitter or X or whatever the hell that hellscape platform is now called saying, you know, is there going to be any supplemental discipline? And and, and there wasn't, which mm-hmm. surprised me a little bit. I mean, it's an, it seemed like an easy sort of suspension. It was just an unnecessary drive-by blindside hit to the head uh, that had no place. And no Second and, time, and, by the way, that guy's done that to Perfetti. Perfetti. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. He did, yeah. It, happened, it wasn't as bad, but it happened uh, back in the COVID year. Oh, we got as as in the chat. No, nope. oh, no, we lost. There he goes. He lasted for one <laughs> second, folks. So, and he does have a new computer. That's the irony of this entire situation: is that yeah. this is the new computer that he's using that apparently has got some sort of block on uh, on our on our streaming technology. We'll figure it out one way or the other. We'll uh, he'll we'll bring him in as soon as we possibly can, undoubtedly. But you yeah. know, it, that was that was just bad. There's no place for that in hockey. There's no place for that in the preseason, especially. I mean, yeah. you know, have a guy now. It seems like Perfetti has avoided uh, anything to do with the C word. Uh, that being, of course, no, he was fine. Casting. I saw him. I saw him. He was fine. Yeah, I but you know, I, when... saw him in the, I saw him in the in the dressing room, and uh, we saw him. Look, we saw him joining the the. He was wearing a regular jersey. I mean, that that to me was the number one factor. Was was right. how was he gonna look? And he was wearing a regular jersey for um for the next day. When even though he did the, he was part of the IR skate with mm-hmm. guys like Colby Barlow and and. And Henry Nickinen, the reality was that he was wearing a uh, he was wearing a regular jersey, and, then, right. and again, like I said yesterday at practice uh, or at skate, he was he was totally participating. And to the point you just made, he actually was on a lie with Nikolai Ehlers and Nino Niederreiter. So you got a chance to see those three guys, you know, in action mm-hmm. uh, at least, getting some some reps in, and that's of course important as they try to you know keep this rolling. Speaking of keeping it rolling, let's welcome him to the show, Big Ezra Ginsberg. Sorry about that, boys. Yeah, sorry about that, boys. New computer working some things out, so missed the first uh, seven minutes of the show, but I'm ready to go now. Okay, then I hope you're. I hope you're bringing your your A game for the last hour and and fifty three minutes to make up for the the slacksadaisical uh, seven minute delay. Welcome I absolutely to- will, Drew. I, I always bring my A game, but I think I'm going to have to bring my A plus plus game, as you mentioned, because. I came here half an hour early to get this computer set up and it was, uh, you know, conked out on me. I'm not sure what happened there. It screwed up. So, but uh, ready to go. Okay. Well, welcome to your new computer as well. And hopefully it, it's going to operate uh, smoother from here on out, uh, at least for the remainder of this broadcast. Uh, no question about it. Uh, we were talking as he just about sort of the, the, some of the training camp, the injury bug a little bit that has bit the jets uh, Ehlers though, back healthy Perfetti avoiding injury after that hit. Uh, you know, I guess we'll have to wait for an update on Elias Salomonson after he took that high hit uh, in the game in Ottawa yesterday. Uh, you know, he left the game at that point who, and you when it comes to you know 
questions in the preseason, the team always errs on the side of caution. So if there's any doubt, you know, about a player's, you know, health during a game or, or anything like that, they, they pull the player as a precaution. So obviously the best case scenario and everyone hopes for, you know, for everybody involved, no, nobody ever wants any player injured, be they on, on their, you know, favored team or the, op, the opponent's team, uh, that you hope that it's just a, a, a precautionary situation. I guess my question for you guys so far, you know, as we're, as we're, you know, Towards the end of training camp, there's probably going to be cuts today. That's the expectation, right, Dave? You're nodding in the affirmative. So the expectation will be some players are are removed. Yeah, Yeah, my guess is they'll the Moose start. uh, They have physicals, I think, tomorrow, and then they start their on-ice stuff on Monday. So my guess is that you'll see some of the guys uh, removed, probably maybe... I mean, again, Colby Barlow, we know, isn't the 2023 first rounder, is not going to get a game in. We had a chance to speak with him yesterday after dealing with his illness. Expectation is he'll be going back to the OHL, whether it's today or if they want him to get a little more strength back before they send him back. It could be on Tuesday, but my guess is you might see Colby Barlow sent home today. So, you know, there's a, there's a number of guys as they cut it down, because Drew, you mentioned it, they want to have a veteran group. They want, they've got 50 guys still in training camp as of today. You know that they're going to want, and obviously some of those guys, we, we know that about nine of them were dealing with something, right. and, and now they're, a few guys are back. So my guess is you're going to probably see another 10 guys maybe get removed from the, from the equation, A, because they'll be sent to Junior or the Moose, who, like I said, are starting up, or, and also because at this point now, the Jets know, as they want to have a veteran group for that game against Calgary, and they want to have a veteran group against the final preseason game on Thursday night. So from their perspective... It's hard when you're running two ices, actually three, because you have another, you know, an IR group. It's a lot of ice and it's a lot of time. And, and your your focus isn't as consistent as if you just had one group in a smaller number. Yeah, exactly right. You know, it has to be, you know, at, at this point in time, you bring in all these extra guys to training camp and you give them a taste of what it's like to be uh, at an NHL training camp. But those a lot of those guys know that they're not long for uh, you know, for an NHL training camp. They made the first cuts and nobody batted an eye at any of those first cuts, of course. And now they're getting to keep paring down the roster as they get closer to what it's going to look like come that Wednesday in Calgary. I mean, that's where the team needs to be at. The team needs to be close to that final roster, uh, you know, probably for close to Thursday's game against Ottawa. You know, last chance for some of these guys to make an impression is probably Monday. Some of the guys who are on the bubble, you know, a guy like Jansen Harkins has had a pretty good training camp, scored again last night for the Jets in Ottawa. And, you know, this is a guy who, I mean, we know of his ups and downs, and obviously last year would have definitely been a down for him getting sent back to the Manitoba Moose. But what did he do with the Moose? Well, he went out and he was more than a point a game player for the Manitoba Moose, as Dave can speak to better than anybody in the city, how much he was a driving offensive force. And what has he done in the preseason? Well, you know, he has had uh, you know a lapse or two, like all players do when they're trying to work out the, the rust. But at the same time, he's had I. Drew, i.e. on the game-winning goal yesterday. <laughs> exactly right. You know, exactly right. That was not a, a good decision on his part. That was not a good, uh, a good play on his part. But at the same time, he has also contributed offensively. So that's a guy who is trying to play himself into one of those roster spots. He'd be at the 13th man. Or if somebody like a Mason Apple you know, who is not skating with the main group. He's dealing with some sort of presumed to be a minor injury bug. But if it lingers, well, all of a sudden, opportunity knocks for a lot of those guys. How about a guy like Parker Ford? A great name, by the way. I mean, I, I you know, I've got like 
sort of combination of Parker Lewis can't lose and not quite Ferris Bueller, but a little bit of, you know, with the F, uh, with the F in the name there, uh, a little bit of uh, 90s or 80s flashbacks for, for yours truly. But there's a guy who's really coming off the radar as and really trying to make a name for himself and trying to make an impact on this training camp. And he has, he's played himself into that conversation of is he potentially your 13th, 14th forward, whatever it makes out, you know, what role does he play? Again, guys who have stood out in training camp, from my perspective, Harkins, uh, Parker Ford. Yeah, Parker Ford's not going to be the 13th forward, Drew, but I, I mean, it's been very impressive what he's done. I think he's got, what, four games of of pro experience, so I think you need to pump the brakes, not you, just you, Drew, but yeah. I think people have to pump the brakes a, a little bit here, and Look, at, we knew that the top 12 forwards are basically set, and we knew that the Jets' top six is basically set, right? So you're talking about, as you mentioned, the 13th forward and the 7th and 8th defenseman. Jansen Harkins as well, guys. Like, you might disagree, but don't think really he's going to get that 13th forward spot. Like, I think he's looked impressive, and I think, you know, it's impressive what he did with the Moose last year after he was sent down by the Jets. But I'm looking at, you know, David Gustafson most likely – being that 13th forward for a lot of reasons, right? Like I realized, you know, he didn't score a goal last year, but the versatility you have to love, right? And you're right though, Drew. I mean, there are going to be injuries throughout the course of the year. So it doesn't mean a guy like Parker Ford won't, you know, maybe get some action with the Jets. I just think it's a little bit too early. And I realized, you know, you can call him Brandon Tanner of light, right? With the Providence College connection there. Um, but he's got to get more pro experience. So again, I mean, I, you know, has he looked really impressive? Yes but uh, I don't think he's going to be cracking that top 13. Well, let me ask you this, Dave. You've you've spent a lot of time down at hockey for all center for the last number of last weeks or so, last couple of weeks or so. You know, mm -hmm. you, you've watched a lot of the training camp as it's been happening. Who's jumped out at you, especially in that battle uh, towards the bottom of the Jets roster when it comes to the forwards? We'll stay with the forwards for now. Who's jumped out at you? You know, as as he was you know, saying that, you know, David Gustafson, he thinks he still has a leg up. And I don't necessarily disagree. Gustafson, the, you know, the team has put a lot of time and effort, a high second round pick, uh, you know, way back when for, for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, but Jansen Harkins was also a second round pick for the Winnipeg Jets. So. I mean, you know, when you're when you're considering really who who has stood out in those in those training camp battles from your perspective. Well, I mean, the problem, Drew, is that you look at the way the groups were divided. Right. And, you know, that, as as he said, like there's an expectation that a lot of those guys in that group too, mm -hmm. Harkins, Toninato, Veal are going to be sent down and Axel Jonathan Fielby are going to be sent down to the minors. And that just seems to be the reality. And I know Rick Bonus has talked about you know, rewarding, you know, guys for their, their play and not just like, like I'm with Ez. I'm, I'm of the opinion right now that it's essentially a battle for 13 and a battle for seven and eight. I I'm of the same opinion, but it's funny. Cause like Rick bonus, when was it in response to Parker Ford? And I'm, uh, I'm also in agreement with Ezzy to say that I think Parker Ford is going to be down in the AHL. Um, look, I watched him. He played eight games last season for the moose. Uh, he was good in some of those games, but you could see he was transitioning from college to the pros. And it's a much big, it's a, it's a significant jump to go from college to, or, or junior to pro hockey. So we saw a guy who was sometimes a little bit tentative. I actually thought so far this camp, he hasn't played, he's played with confidence and an aggressiveness that I've really liked. So he's definitely caught my eye and we watched him, you know, again in that game against the flames here in Winnipeg a couple of days ago. And I thought he looked pretty good in in what we saw from him 
uh, you know, he scored the one goal, had an assist, could have had a second goal. Puck mm-hmm. jumped on over his stick. So, yeah, you like to see that. You want to see guys elevating themselves. And, and when they know that the opportunity is in front of them, like it was last night, because last night was the last chance for romance for a lot of these guys. I mean, like I said, Rick Bonus has touched on the fact that the last two games will be for the veterans. So, right. to me, you know, the question becomes, does Jansen Harkins, who cleared waivers twice last year, get that, you know, even though he's had a good camp and he has had a good camp, does he get that over David Gustafson? Again, David Gustafson's 23. So you're mm-hmm. thinking, and as, as he said, you've, you've put a lot of time and effort into him. You know, do you secure that spot because of that sort of significance? Or as Rick Bonus has said, do you want the best team possible? Do you want the team, the guys there who are going to help your team win? You know, at the end of the day, we'll see what this organization does. I actually think the more interesting um, conversation other than the 13th Ward, because whether it's Gustafson or Harkins or actually Anton Fielby or Dominic Toninato, they're all fairly interchangeable for me. The bigger question for me, not to usurp your role as the host, Drew, to start talking about this. Go right ahead. Really, it, it, to me, the question is, what about Vili Hainola? Because Vili Hainola has looked very good in mm-hmm. the games. He's looked, aside from the first couple of days of camp, he's looked very good in camp. So the question is, Vili Hainola, waiver exempt, how does that impact this Jets organization? Because if you're saying we need a player, obviously Nate Schmidt is dealing with something, so he's out right now. So their top six isn't healthy. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the reality is, how does a player like Vili Hainola as go into the structure and say, okay, if you're Rick Bonus and you're going to be consistent with the words you have been, nobody's forced you to say those words. These mm-hmm. are your words talking about who is going to make us a better team. Not, you know, oh no, if we have, we keep Billy Hinola, then we're going to lose Declan Chisholm or Logan Stanley on waivers. So what do you do in that situation? Because for right now, Billy Hinola, and if you're watching, it's amazing. I got to tell you, I, I, to, as a quick sidebar, I've never seen a guy who's so polarizing for to folks. I don't know why, but it's like you either yes, love this guy or you hate him and you watch him and you're like, he's been good. And I, I, I see people saying this guy's been terrible. I'm like, I don't know what games you're watching. He's good. I've watched him play in the AHL. I've watched him play these NHL games. He's been very good and he's been very consistent. Right. And I think, you know, that's something that we talked about before training camp started, right? Like we talked about if Vili Hainola has a really strong training camp, you know, is, does that push him into the top seven slash top eight. I think you're not going to anoint him in in the top six, right? Mm-hmm. So then that brings up the question of, look, at Declan Chisholm has, has done everything right at the AHL level. He's looked really good in training camp. And I agree with Drew. I mean, we're not going to break down these preseason games because it's it's one team's A lineup versus, versus another team's B lineup, right? So right. the scores don't matter, um, but the performances, especially of the players that are on the bubble, definitely matter. So Declan Chisholm's not going to be placed on waivers. And it's not just because of what happened with Johnny Kovacevic. It's because the Jets want Declan. Did we just lose his audio? And can hear as all of us. There you go. Okay, keep going. Sorry, you're cut is, out for a second there. Is it possible that Chisholm and Hanola are your seventh and eighth defensemen? Of course it's possible. So that means most likely Kyle Capabianco and or Logan Stanley is placed on waivers. And, you know, I don't know if you know, either of those players gets picked up, right? But I think that's what you're talking about. And I think, you know, the simple things that Hainola does, right? Like we know that the skills are there, but making a, a strong first pass or maybe just hesitating and having that vision, as Dave has talked about so much, like he was giving those those power play opportunities with the moose. He obviously, you know, it 
it would require a lot of injuries in order for Vili Hainola to climb up the lineup and start getting power play opportunities with the Jets, right? But I think, you know, Hainola has definitely opened some eyes, I think, because I think a lot of people before training camp started thought, okay, Hainola is just going to spend the entire year with the Moose. But I think, you know, he's ready and Chisholm is ready. I, I personally, you know, think Logan Stanley would be one of the guys that I would place on waivers, right? Like, and, and it's nothing personal against Logan Stanley. I think, you know, he's fallen down the depth, depth chart, boys, and he's kind of number eight, number nine on that depth chart. You've got Hainola and Chisholm ahead of him. And I, I would even put Kyle Capabianco ahead of Stanley at this point. To, to me, it's not even a question anymore, Ezzy. I mean, you know, and, and I understand that the organization spent a first-round pick on, on on Logan Stanley. I get that. But that first-round pick... And traded spent, up to get him. And traded up to get him, the, the only time they've ever traded up to... Uh, to Is it a, Philly they, that they made that trade with? Yes, I think that sounds right. I mean, and that was, you know, that was now seven years ago. So, I mean, I, I know that you always, you, you know, you you don't want to, you know, throw out a, a, a prized possession too early. But Ottawa, the Senators, who the Jets played uh, last night, are putting their 2019 uh, first round pick on waivers today. They announced that last night. So at some point in time. Who they drafted ahead of Ty uh, Smith. Hinola. Right, guys? No. Ty Smith was a first round pick of the Devils. He was placed yeah. on waivers. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if he was claimed, but. Well, I think he was. He'll. It'll. I think the claiming the the time for him to be claimed would be today, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was placed on waivers yesterday. I might get my. I might be off by a day, but whatever no, it is. Yes. Yeah. So they'll find out today if, if if anyone claims them. But the point is, at some point in time, you know, you just have to say, okay, it's not going to work out, or this player has been passed on our depth chart, and if we put him on waivers and we lose him, so be it. And we'll talk more about the defense, and we'll talk more about Logan Stanley, you know, a little bit later on in the show. We're going to go to break in a minute here. Bring in Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet to join us. But at some point in time, you just have to, to so you have credibility within your dressing room. You can't tell me that Logan Stanley has outplayed Billy Hainala or Declan Chisholm at this point in 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 in, in the preseason and training camp. He mm-hmm. hasn't. So you lose your credibility. And I know that some moves aren't the coaches' moves. In fact, most a lot of roster moves aren't the coaches' moves. They right. are the moves of the general manager. But, if, you know, if Kevin Sheveldayoff, you know, demands that, you know, Logan Stanley gets another opportunity, what are you doing besides maybe compounding an error if you lose a younger player in exchange? And I know that Hainala, you know, can, doesn't need waivers, but at some point in time, you lose credibility within your organization if you keep him around when uh, when he's been outplayed by others. We'll talk about more on that and, of course, everything to do with Jets training camp on the other side of these commercial messages. Sean Reynolds joins us next Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of the hour. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I'm your host, Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and our very good friend. We're thrilled to welcome to the program Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. Now, Sean, is there any truth to the rumor that you've been going around and calling Mike McIntyre Yoko Ono as a result of him coming between you and Kenny. Oh, um, <laughs> you know what? Ken- Kenny's played the field in a lot of years. I think at one point he had a, a podcast with Murata Tesh 
from uh, from the Athletic, and we all know he had that Weaves World segment for years with Sarah Orleski. The guy plays the field. When you get with players like that, you got to know that they they're playing that game. So you just got to be okay with it. Yeah, you're not talking, and you're not talking golf in this case when he talks about playing the field. Yeah, uh, he's a good player at that too. He plays. That guy plays. That's it. Good, good morning to you. Nice to see you. It's been uh, too long. How was your summer? It's great. It's great. I think uh, last time I talked with you guys, I was in the car out for breakfast or something like that. That doesn't <laughs> feel like that long ago. It, it really, I, I was thinking of when you guys asked me to come on, I was like, oh, I haven't been on for a while. And then I thought, no, no, I was just out in the car. But you guys would have to remind me, was that the was that at the beginning of the summer, the end of the summer? I have no idea. It's just a time vortex been, we fall it into. Might have been, it might have been June, May, June. I'm, I really don't know. I was going to say I'm, June. Okay. Yeah, I think it was June. And Sean, I was in Lac de Bonnie all summer. And I kept calling out your name and everything like that, listen, but I never ran into listen. you. So, as he, as he, I am not going through this with you every time, every at the beginning of the summer, as he's always, we got to hang out, we got to do this. I'm like, here's my phone number, give me a call. And I sit by this phone and I stare at it longingly for the entire summer, and it never rings. You're, you're a tease, as he Ginsburg. You are a tease, and you're name. muted as well. <laughs> that's good yeah i know it's good that he's muted we don't know we don't want to hear what he has to say anyway it's better off that way we're better off that way uh sean we'll get into the winnipeg jets of course that's uh as Let's much as we love uh, chit-chatting with you and everything else we that's why we primarily bring you on to this fine broadcast uh played last night in ottawa two games left in the preseason schedule training camp rolls on but you're getting into sort of the the, the nitty-gritty of it where you know guys are you know, a lot of the guys who are just sort of there as, you know, for training camp but don't really have a chance to make the team are are, are shuffling off stage left. So yeah. at this point, you know, who are you looking at? Who are you keeping a close eye on in terms of your sort of the final training camp battles, the tr final jobs to be won or lost over the next, uh, I guess, week or so before uh, final rosters need to be set? Yeah, well, when you've got uh, the kind of trade that uh, you made for for Pierre-Luc Dubois, when you get three assets back, uh, you know, that helps kind of round out your depth. I know that there's a lot of talk, and, uh, and I agree with that, that the Jets are heading in a different direction where they're trying to become a deeper team. I think that's a smart idea. I, I, I like the tact. I like the idea that they're trying to become more like a, uh, you know, the success that we saw from a team like Seattle last year in the playoffs. It's, you know, even though they had a 40 goal score, even though they had, you know, a lot of guys who produced beyond what we would expect looking at the names on their roster. That's a deep team that's tough to play against that rolls four lines. All those lines look the same. I, I see the Jets maybe trying to go in that direction because you add that a little bit extra depth. There's just not as much, you know, questions about what the lineup is going to look like. I think we all could kind of walk in here and take a look. Now that Connor Hellebuck stayed, where all you pencil him in there and Lauren Brassois is going in behind him, we know that's going to happen. You take a look at the lines. They're pretty set up front. Uh, if you take a look, uh, the defense didn't change, which means mm -hmm. you need to knock someone out of their seat before you could pop in there. So to me, it's just really fringe battles. And on the back end, I take a look at that. And I think once again, it's, you know, you find... Logan Stanley, who's been with the team for so long and has been able to maintain his spot in the NHL, but 
at every point, I think we all just get to a point where we question, well, is he the guy for that spot or is Billy Hanela? And I know, Dave, we talked a lot about Declan Chisholm and how good he's looked. So I take a look at those three and I see that kind of carousel moving. So I am keeping an eye on that. And then up front, I mean, Parker Ford has clearly elbowed his way into the conversation. The, uh, 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 the coaching staff uh, has a lot to say about that. They like him. Uh, Rick has made it pretty clear that he's got his eyes on him and he's watching him. Jansen Harkins, I take a look at him and I think, you know, for a guy who, you know, was kind of like Logan Stanley, that somewhat established NHL, or at least on the fringe, was solidly in the fringe and stayed with the Jets for a couple of years and then got sent down last year. Well, how do you want him to respond? Well, hey, it would be great if he went out and he led the Manitoba Moose in scoring, which he goes and puts a check mark in there and kind of does, you know, when he got pulled up to the Jets, kind of did everything he wanted to do. And in this camp has really like, I, I'm not really sure that being the hockey player he is, there's not, not a lot much different than he could, that he could have done to show that he, you know, is ready to get a chance back in the lineup. And then you take a look at a guy like David Gustafson, who I think is maybe ahead of those guys, just because of the position he plays. Like, that's what I think we're looking at here is, uh, you know, I'd asked, uh, I'd asked Rick about Jansen Harkins and what he needed to do to reestablish himself as an NHL player. And the answer I got, I, it felt like a bit of a cool answer to me in, in the idea that I, I almost feel like the Jets kind of have made up their mind what they have with Jansen Harkins and he can go and score all he wants in the preseason. I don't know that it's really going to play out for him. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I take a look at it and as good as Parker Ford has been, and he's been a puck hound, uh, you know, it comes down to essentially with those players at this stage, not what they're producing, but the style of player they are and, and how the jets feel that style can fit in, in like a 13th, 12th forward kind of manner. I agree with you, Sean. And, and I have obviously haven't been at training camp like you guys have been, but I've been watching, you know, highlights and seen a little bit of Parker Ford at training camp and, you know, Dave called him Brandon Tanev Light, right? Because of the Providence College connection. But yes. also just because, like you said, the style of player, right? Like another, like somebody who was calling him this year's Mikey Essimon, right? And obviously the difference is Essimon had more pro experience than Ford did, right? Ford's only got the eight games of, of pro experience with the Moose after his college career, right? So I think you yeah. agree. He's going to be a really exciting guy to watch with the Moose. And then maybe if there's some injuries at forward, then maybe you see Parker forward, Parker Ford get the, Parker get forward. the call up. As long as I don't call him Parker Lincoln, I think we're we're okay, right? But I just think that David Gustafson and you know I'd love to see Jansen Harkins playing up at the NHL level, but you know right now it just seems because of that versatility with Gustafson being able to play center and wing, I think he's got the edge. I wanted to ask you about Neil Pionk though, Sean, because I thought Weber's article was really insightful, and and he's usually insightful in in his articles, but. I thought it was really interesting that Pionk said himself he's too hard on himself, right? And he's trying to focus more on what he's doing well as opposed to what he's not doing well. And, you know, I, I think he's a real key to this group because Josh Morrissey coming off of, of a career year, Dylan DeMello coming off of a, a great year, Brendan Dillon, you know exactly what you're getting out of Brendan Dillon on that second pair. You're getting a guy who's reliable defensively, physical, can drop the gloves, can chip in a little bit of offense. And you'd agree, I think, that Pionk, he didn't have, you know, his best year last year. Not not so much offensively, but defensively. And the question I wanted to ask you about... He's, his audio is cutting out, Sean. You're not wrong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Not sure Not sure why it's cutting out, guys. But the question I wanted to ask uh, about Pionk, Sean, is 
if you think that you know that's something that he's he's wanting to prove not only to himself but the team that he wants to put that bad year behind him and reestablish himself on that second pair with Brendan Dillon. Oh, I think absolutely. Um, and I, I think uh, for the Winnipeg Jets to work, he kind of needs to be the guy who carries the mail on one of the two pairings, right? Like Josh Morrissey came out and more than took care of business uh, on the Winnipeg Jets first pairing last year, established himself as one of the top you know, easily top 10, maybe top five, maybe top three, if there's an argument to be had their defenseman in the NHL and the way that he played. So you've got that taken care of. And if you can take a guy like Dylan DeMello and throw him up on that line, and I'm not, this is by no means disparaging Dylan DeMello. I think he was a great pickup when the Jets got him and, and has been great ever since. Uh, he's probably better than people around the league think he is. And I think Winnipeg Jets fans know that. I'm not telling them anything they don't know. But if you can take and have a top pairing of Dylan DeMello and Josh Morrissey, you've taken care of a lot of business in that spot alone and freed up a lot of other options to make sure that you've got depth defense that works but it probably doesn't work unless you have Neil Pionk driving the bus on the second pairing to your point as he we know what we're going to get out of Brendan Dillon you get it consistently at every turn he's not really an up and down player he's that solid rock that is there at all times but he's also that solid rock that Dave and I had this conversation uh, about how he was playing with Billy Hanel. I really like the way Billy Hanel paired with him in those preseason games because Billy Hanel, when that he's applying pressure and kind of setting a trap on players that are coming up ice and the, the spring of the trap is that he filters them towards Brendan Dillon. Then Brendan Dillon takes care of business and that frees up Billy Hanel to take the puck and, and be more offensive with it, which I think we've really seen from him so far in camp and so far in the preseason. Now, that's motive. Got to be motivation for a guy like Pionk because what's the knock been against Billy Hanela all this time? Well, it's been his consistency, no doubt, and he's been mistake prone at the NHL level. And I know there's a lot of people who love Billy Hanela and they want to see the the team work through the, through those mistakes. But it's the NHL guys. You've got to sh show up and you've got to be prepared. It's like the illegal curve show. There's no time to show up and have your audio issues going on. Yes, he's sorry. This is the big leagues. You got to be there for it. Honestly, Sean, sorry, I'm, I am unmuted here. I picked up a, a nice little computer. I decide. I told Dave and Drew in the summer, I'm going to get a little computer and it's going to be just for a legal curve. I'm not going to do anything else. It's going to be for the show, the post-game shows. Ask Dave, I was here at 8.30 sharp, setting up my computer, set up the internet, little, you know, my little uh, ring light, everything like that. Everything was set up. And then all of a sudden, I, I was kicked off the internet and, my, and then it went into the Windows updates. Anytime, Sean, you start seeing those Windows yeah. updates and it, it's at yeah. 1%. I knew yeah. I was going to be late. So you're absolutely Forget right. It's it. obviously amateur hour it. over here. <laughs> hey, it's it's a uh, man makes plans and the technology gods laugh. That's how it goes. Um, but but to hop back into it, so Billy Hanel, the knock against him, we we just touched on those things, but. The other knock against him has been, well, he does, he's kind of the same defenseman as Josh Morrissey a little bit, you know, smaller but skilled up front, same as Neil Pionk. How many of those guys can you have? And 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 does he have to supplement one of those guys or or jump over one of those guys? And now you're seeing what I see in this camp is Billy Hana making a push and showing. I was saying this to Dave that he plays very well with a guy like Brendan Dillon. And maybe if you want to make the big club, how you do it is not necessarily say I'm one of your top six, but if you put me with this guy, we make a really, really good pairing. And that's how you get in. That's how you get your foot in the door. So if I'm Neil Pionk, I think for the first time, you know, you've got the heat of feeling like you didn't play your best. And now 
I'm seeing it anyways. I don't know that the Jets coaching staff is seeing it. I don't know how much of the fan base is seeing it, but I'm seeing Billy Hanela show, listen, if that doesn't work out there and there's a way to move that guy, maybe he's expendable because I'm showing I can jump into a spot like that. So I would think that Neil Pionk is probably feeling a little more pressure than he has been in the past. A, like he said in Ken's article, because he's applying that pressure to himself because he should be. But B, this log jam that you're seeing in the Winnipeg Jets defense core and all these young guys who are knocking on the door for spots that just haven't been there. We can debate all day long whether or not Kevin Sheveldayoff should have opened up some of those spots. That's a different debate. It hasn't happened, so we have to talk about what's in front of us. Well, that's what I was going to just jump in there, Sean. Like, What's sure. the likelihood, do you think, I'm putting you on the spot here, but what do you think the likelihood is of a Logan Stanley or a Kyle Capobianco placed on waivers? Because I think it's a real possibility. Well, with Declan Chisholm doing his thing. And so again, this is, I mean, we're getting into the whole, and and Jets fans are very knowledgeable. So I don't think I'm getting into a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't get, but like so much of these transactions now and the decisions that are going to be made, you know, Dave and I were talking about this. Does Rick Bonus go, and he did this last year, does he go pick the team specifically how he thinks the best team should be laid out? Or does he look at his GM and think, man, I'm causing him a lot of problems if we put Declan Chisholm on waivers, right? Because if that guy goes and you lose a really, really great player who's been coming up and looks like he could have a great future, tons of confidence, like Dave says, skates really well, really positional, really, really good uh, uh, on the ice, uh, good, good hockey IQ. The one thing Dave and I were talking about that I think that I've seen from him in camp is he seems to bobble the puck a little bit more than the other guys. And maybe that's a nervousness thing because I, and I always do defer to Dave. You got to go to the people who are on the ground and know this. Dave sees him with a Manitoba moose far more than, uh, than I do. Uh, sounds like he doesn't do that as much as that level. So maybe it's a nerves thing, but the one thing that I would strike against Declan Chisholm so far. And I think we really saw it in that game against Calgary is every time he touched the puck, it seemed it was a half second to a second of him trying to settle the puck before he moved it. And that, that is troublesome at the NHL level. But if that's just him nerves and his nerves and he's got to work through it, you're seeing a player that's ready to jump into the NHL. So, I mean, at some point, you know, it, and these are the questions. So if you're asking that specific question, as he, and you're taking a look and let's say it comes down to Logan Stanley and Declan Chisholm. Well, you're taking a look. One guy is massive and can affect the game the way that he did the other day where he, you know, got those fights in and when he gets the puck to the net, it's good. But his consistency, he's had a long look to get consistent in the NHL and it has not happened yet. And you're talking about a guy who came public last year and said that he wanted out, right? Well, if it's a choice between a guy who's coming up, who's shown everything I need to see from him at the AHL level and the kind of slate is clear. I, I think that you would go with a Declan Chisholm ahead of a Logan Stanley, even though you just signed him because Stanley's made overtures about wanting to get out of town. Right. So, well, here's your chance. You're on waivers. Let's see who's out there for you. But, um, Tough decisions because, again, we're, we're talking about two guys and we're not even talking about Billy Hanla, who, again, is knocking on the door. So maybe they're going to have to move some guys out, but I don't think you can t- have surgery to that lineup to the degree that you would really start making removes for those guys without moving the likes of potentially Pionk or Schmidt. And, and so 
uh, this would have been a lot easier to play out and to see if if Kevin Sheveldayoff would have made some moves in the offseason, like I think some people were expecting him to. Or maybe it's very easy to see heading into this because he didn't make moves. And if we take a look at it, probably the way things have gone, the Winnipeg Jets top six are a lock. And we're talking about who's going to fit into that seventh spot and who the Jets are going to risk losing by uh, putting them on waivers. Sean Reynolds, our guest, Saturday morning. We're live with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show talking about the Jets. Training camp rolls on two preseason games yet to come. Well, Sean, you want to talk about Billy Hainola? You want to talk about Billy Hainola? Let's talk about Billy Hainola. What do you think <laughs> the Jets are going to do? Because that was the subject of our conversation prior to you arriving here this morning. And it's, it's an interesting debate because, I mean, we talked about it yesterday at Hockey for All. What are you going to do if you're the GM? Rick Bonus has been on record. I am going to have the best team that's going to help the Winnipeg Jets win now. So the moves are going to be the moves. But we know we don't live in this ideal, let's have the best. You have to deal with the ramifications, whether that's the cap, whether that's your waiver status. So if you are looking at what Billy Hainola, and again, Billy Hainola, the one thing that folks are never going to question is offense, his vision. But I thought he was defending well against big guys. And that is one of yeah. the, quote, knocks on Billy Hainola. Although if you watch him at the HL level, he's actually got a bit of a nasty streak. It's just a function of, you know, understanding where you need to be and body position. And that is one of the things I thought we saw better of from oh, Billy yeah. Hainola throughout the course of this camp and in the games. So from your perspective, if Billy Hainola is removing his waiver exemption, if you're looking at Billy Hainola as the player in your top eight, not top six necessarily. We're looking at seven and eight here. Are you, and if, again, we don't, we don't, it doesn't operate in a bubble, but if you're Rick bonus, what are you doing? And then when you bring in Kevin shovel off and his influence, how do you think that plays into it? Well, I, I think it's a knock against Billy Hanela that you can send him down. He's waiver exempt, right? Like that is in the situation that we're in. Uh, so many things line up against Billy Hanela. A, the whole talk that we had earlier about Josh Morrissey and Billy Pionk, or sorry, Billy Pionk, Neil Pionk. Uh, you've got <laughs> you've got two guys who aren't the biggest guys, right? So if you add Billy Hanela into that mix, then half of your defense core is around six feet or under, right? And what have we seen? over the last number of years like when when the St. Louis Blues win they've got a massive defense when the Montreal Canadiens push their way and elbow their way to the Stanley Cup final you just couldn't get to the front of the net Vegas did it Vegas did it last year guys and and, and with not even the most talented group but just a big heavy tough group and, and so I do think that we're starting to look in, into a, an area in the NHL where everyone went really skill heavy for a while. Now they're starting to realize on the back end, there's still room for big, strong defense who make it really hard to get to the net. It gets hard to do that if you're adding Billy Hanla into that s segment there. Again, you almost look and see that he needs to jump into one of those spots to get in. And then you add to that the idea that they can still send him down without having to worry about losing him. Billy Hanla probably needs to be in a position where he's like a sure thing at the NHL level for them to make that move because it's too easy to move him down otherwise. But if we remove all that and we're just talking about him showing like, let's go by the theory, Dave, and, and I think you are per perfectly positioned because we were there yesterday and we were here when that conversation happened. Your viewers saw it because you recorded it and put it on your website. But Rick Bonus talked about 
the way that they want to defend this year. The Jets want to be a insanely high pressure team. One thing I noticed from camp, from the drills that they were doing, I thought this was where they were going. Rick Bonus confirmed it yesterday. But last year, the Jets' whole thing was if we lose the puck, we want to go get it back. So they had crazy pressure drills in the neutral zone where they were just going. Well, they extended that this year and they're extending those drills. They start their players on one side of the ice. The other team has has the puck in their own zone. They blow the whistle and they go gangbusters, all five of them down the ice, trying to trap the opposing team, not just in the neutral zone, but in their own zone. The Jets are going to bring pressure all the way up. And what did he say, Dave, to us yesterday? He says it's got to be a five-man unit. It has to work. So Billy Hainala has to prove not only that he's got the skill that he has and the ability to defend in the defensive zone, which you made a good point, Dave. I take a look at him. His body positioning is great. He's starting to be one of those really slick, smaller guys that doesn't overpower you, but just finds a way to get in tight on you and get in between you and the puck. That's a great way of defending Josh Morrissey. Watch him, watch video of him. He does it phenomenally, and he's a great defensive player because of it. So Billy Hanel has got those things, but now Billy Hanel also has to show that he's smart enough to fit into the group, play the right spot, get up ice, get back down ice. He's got to be able to do it all, right? And so... It's a big ask for a guy coming out. I'm not saying he can't do it, but he almost has to do it at a level that's obviously higher than anybody else because he can be sent down without punishment because he doesn't have the idea of Logan Stanley where it's like, well, we can keep Logan Stanley on the sidelines for the majority of the years. And when we need to throw in a bruiser into a game, we can throw him in. Dylan Sandberg's already got the size. Declan Chisholm is a little bit bigger, so can play a more rounded grinding type of game, which the Jets seem seem to want to play this year. So it's one of these situations and everyone is always asking about, Hey, on our show, we've got our segment, say something nice about Billy Hainala because <laughs> fans want to hear you talk about him and they want to hear you talk nicely about him because they love him and they think he's the next big thing. The next big thing has to seems to be able to make that jump into a spot where he's an immediate impact player. And, and we've seen this before. If people think he's being treated unfairly, you have to go back to the days of like the Kyle Connors when they were at the AHL level. And it was said at that time um, by Paul Maurice, these guys, we don't want to bring them up until they're ready to play at the NHL level, what we've asked for them to play at the AHL level. So Kyle Connors got to shoot the lights out and be one of the best scorers in the AHL before you can bring him in and try and make him one of the better scorers in the NHL. And that's why he jumps from the AHL to the top six of, of the NHL. That's how they want it to work. And Billy Hainala, back to the conversation we had about Neil Pionk, it's just, it's almost like you need that guy to move into the top four. Maybe they can work, make it work without that. But if you've got three defense pairings that all have somewhat undersized, let's not say undersized, not the biggest guys on it, and they're puck moving guys like that, then what it means is if you play a really heavy team, you don't have that ability to put out the bruisers and really kind of repel that. And and so Billy Hanla is just really, it's, it's on a lot of different teams, He'd be up in the NHL just because he's not facing the kind of obstacles that just exist by the makeup of this Winnipeg Jets defense. 
Sean Reynolds, our guest Saturday morning. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Sean, what do you want to see from Dylan Sandberg this year? I mean, last year he was a a very pleasant. I don't even know if it was a surprise. Probably not a surprise, but he was very he 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 was just solid for the Winnipeg Jets, albeit in a fairly sheltered role. Do you think that he can continue to take steps with his game this year in a less sheltered role? Well, I, I think he needs to like get last year was, I think a great year for a rookie. You know, you, they'll say a lot of times you get out on the ice and especially in a situation like that, you just don't want to be noticed, but right. not being noticed can be a good thing, right? Like I think we'll agree a lot of times when people, you know, talk about Logan Stanley, the things they notice him for, sometimes it'll be the wrong things, right? So being that guy that you're like, wow, I didn't really notice Dylan Sandberg tonight is a good thing because he's going out, he's taking care of business. He's doing his job. He's not eye popping. He doesn't strike you as an eye popping type of defender. Um, so, so that's a good thing. That was a good year. That said, Dylan Sandberg is a man. He's huge. He's a big guy. So to, to the conversation that I just had about, you know, all those Stanley cup vying defenses and how big they are. Well, if you're a big guy on a Winnipeg Jets roster that starts off with two of your top six defensemen, not being the biggest guy, then you got to be making use of your size. So I think that's what I'm looking for from Dylan Sandberg this year is yeah, sure. Add a little bit of the elements of, of, offense into your game wherever you can. I think he did it here and there last year. You want to continue to grow on that, but I'm looking for Dylan Sandberg to not be running out of his way, but he's a big, big guy. I think he needs to start meeting out some punishment. The Winnipeg Jets, if they want to play a grinding style, a depth style, you bring in guys like I Fallow, uh, and I know that they really like what Appleton does. They want to wear teams down. Well, that's how you do it. You take your big boys on the back end and you lean on the forwards from the other team. So what I'm looking for from Dylan Sandberg is not necessarily surviving, which was the right play to do last year, is now take that step forward and establish why you are in this lineup, how you can be used and what that should be is it should be you leaning on the opposition and making it miserable to play against them. Sean, I want to ask you about a forward because I think we've asked you about every single defenseman aside from, <laughs> from Josh Morrissey. We've co- covered Pionk and Sandberg and Hainola and Stanley and Chisholm. I'm probably forgetting. Yeah. I think we just covered six or seven defensemen, but I wanted to ask you about Kyle Connor because I know we're in day 11 of training camp here. I think it was you that asked the question to Kyle Connor, right, about setting um, setting goals no, for himself? I didn't ask that because I know his answer already. He never sets goals for himself. Okay, he takes I, I it day by day. Was, yeah. It was Mikey Mack. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say it could have been Mike, but again, again, it's been eleven days of training camp, so they're starting <laughs> to all kind of melt into one, right? But yeah, you know, you would agree that you know Kyle Connor's goal scoring was down coming off of the big season when he almost scored fifty goals. But yeah, and, and I wanted to ask you specifically, not just you know, do you think he wants to get back up to forty-seven goals? Because clearly, he wants to. He would love to score sixty-five <laughs> goals, right? We know yeah. that. But Insightful. because would of you like because to score the more line goals is this different, year. <laughs> right? With Gabe Velarde on the right wing there with Shifley, this is a new look line, and I think you would agree. I mean, we saw it on display on on the power play. You know, Velarde is a big guy. You know, you're mentioning size there, and he's defensively responsible. Coming off of his career year with the LA Kings, but the question I wanted to ask you is, what are you expecting to see different about Connor's game? Because we know that Connor and Shifley have been often criticized by us included. Um, for their play away from the puck, on the defensive side of the puck. We know that Shifley and Connor, and obviously Velarde too, are going to score a lot of goals and produce a lot of offense. But I guess, are you expecting to see 
a different style maybe from Kyle Connor, a guy that maybe because he has a more reliable defensive player in Velarde, that's going to open him up. And Murat said that he's expecting these guys to play a lot in triangles, right? Moving plays off of the boards, finding open space. You know, those these three guys are really skilled. They're going to find each other. But, you know, a long-winded question, Sean, but, you know, what what changes are you expecting out of Kyle Connor's game? Maybe what's what's going to be freed up now that he's got a guy like Gabe Velarde on the wing and, you know, he's he's got a, a you know a fresh sheet of ice in front of him? Well, it's interesting because I take a look at uh, last year and a lot of his goal scoring uh, woes could be summarized as uh, almost bad luck, right? And I don't want to be that guy who's like making excuses, but how many open nets did he have and posts and all those kind of things early in the season? Like you take a look at it and like the, the, the puck luck aspect of it probably cost him in the neighborhood of six, seven, eight goals last year. Right. So, and Rick bonus talked about it and said like, listen, I get concerned when the opportunities dry up, not when the goals dry up and the opportunities didn't dry up last year. But one thing that I thought was interesting, and this is kind of what can be problematic uh, when you, when you bring, Bring in Pierre-Luc Dubois like you did, and and then he makes it fairly clear early on that he doesn't want to stay in Winnipeg, and then you keep him around for a little bit longer. What happens is like players are always evolving, right? And and you have to be careful how that evolution happens, and then when you take those supports away, because what I saw last year from Kyle Connor that I really liked was Pierre-Luc Dubois, the bull in the china shop, likes to just drive the puck towards the net. And I thought in doing so, he created a wake that really drew Kyle Connor closer to the net as well, and I thought it made him a lot more of an engaged player. Like I, I see Kyle Connor if he wants to play that way as the ultimate complimentary player. And even if you go back to his college days, he was like that. If you've got two wingers that he had for, sorry, two line mates that he had for years in, in Shifley and Blake Wheeler, who can move the puck around and you can get lost in the, in the weeds and then get that puck over to you and boom, it's in the back of the net. I think Kyle Connor is one of the best players in the entire NHL at that. Right. So if you want to play that kind of game, you do that. But I think what Kyle Connor showed last year when he was with Pierre-Luc Dubois was that he had more of a dimension to him and could be an effective player just driving the puck to the net and taking more ownership of it rather than needing to play with really great players and getting lost and then just put, being the finisher on that line. And now Pierre-Luc Dubois is gone. Right. And then that kind of element seems to, you know, so you saw I, what I think I saw is Kyle Connor evolving and evolving because of a style of game from one singular player that opened that up. And now that player's gone. So the question becomes can, can Gabe Velarde be that? Right. He's got that size. Is he going to be as much of a bull in the China shop? Is he going to go to the front of the net? And is that going to drag Kyle Connor closer to that? Or is the kind of style that we know that Mark Shifley likes to play, the triangle stuff that, that Murad is talking about? Is this, I've called it in the past, the snake charmer offense, right? Like the ability for these guys to weave and bob and kind of hypnotize their opposition and then suddenly throw the puck over to a guy who's open, Kyle Connor often, and boom, it's in the back of the net, right? We know that that that's the kind of offense that Shifley likes to play. And he, you know, they've been asked in the past. Remember for years, there was the conversation by Paul Maurice of trying to get his players to go to the front of the net and they wouldn't do it. It's just not how uh, a guy like, like uh, um, Mark Shifley wants to generate his offense. So with those two players, I think you're going to get a healthy dose of that. 
The question mark for me becomes what does Gabe Velarde do for that? Does he open them up defensively for them to head up ice and get more chances off the rush? Uh, does he drive to the front of the net and pull those guys in? And do they show a little bit more? I mean, we did see it. I know it was a power play goal, but the idea of that power play goal they have where Shifley moves it to Velarde in the front and everyone collapses and all of a sudden you throw it back out high and Kyle Connor's there. Well, there you go. That's what I'm talking about. Kyle Connor being that off to the side, lost in the weeds finisher, right? So uh, my early takeaway is that this is probably going to go back to an offense that is a little bit more the style that we saw of Kyle Connor, Blake Wheeler, and Mark Shifley. Um, just with uh, not as depth of passing because Wheeler was, I agreed with uh, Mark Shifley when he said it, Blake Wheeler was one of the best passers in mm -hmm. the game. Shifley can pass as well. Velarde's not going to be able to do that because that just, that kind of skill just does not come around that often. Um, but you're still going to have that element of passing that Velarde is somewhat good at. Shifley, we know, wants to do Kyle Connor as well. So I, I, I feel like what we're going to find from them is a bit of a hybrid between what we saw from Kyle Connor with Shifley and Wheeler and what we saw with Kyle Connor um, with, with Pierre-Luc Dubois, with his time with Pierre-Luc Dubois. So uh, is it going to lead to more offense? Um, I don't know that it will. Uh, it, I think it depends on how much they lean on these players to produce. I think there's going to be a lot, but I think that when you talk about the Jets wanting to be a more depth team, you don't exercise that depth without taking some of that time away from the top line. So I think that may have an effect on their production as well. So I guess if I was out there guessing, I'd expect him more to have a year like he did last year than he did the previous year. Well, Sean, with a lot of talk in this town has been about that second line center role. And I actually thought that Cole Perfetti in his discussion with us, uh, maybe five days ago, I thought his answers were really insightful as to the way he would see his ability to adapt to the position that, of course, is a position he played both in junior and at the AHL level. And I just thought, you know, he, he was talking about how he could see things. So we finally got an opportunity yesterday with Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers and Nino Niederreiter all being able to practice together. And we know that Rick Bonus wants them to be able to play on Monday and things are, are, are gearing towards that. The groups came out today. Those guys are all in group one. So the likelihood is those guys are all feeling good and ready to go having a full practice. So what have you been able to glean from again, very short, obviously yesterday we saw them playing together, but Perfetti up the middle and the ability with those two guys to be a difference maker, having those, you talk about it, the, the idea of having experienced wingers to play with a young center and kind of bring him along as he get, develops in that position. Yeah, so I think that this is the linchpin for the Winnipeg Jets this season. Cole Perfetti at second uh, at that 2C spot. Now, the, Kevin Sheveldayoff's done a good job uh, with a backup plan here because if you get Vladdy Nemestikov and put him in that spot, we already know from last year, Nick Ehlers loves playing with Vladdy Nemestikov. And Nemestikov, a lot of times the Jets played their ho best hockey or that line played its best hockey when he moved up into that spot. So he's a great option to pop in there. The Swiss Army knife has... Uh, Nino Niederreiter called him and everyone seems to call him. So you've got a good backup system here. This is a big ask for Cole Perfetti. If we think about this here, and I think there's a number of different ways to, to put this, but Cole Perfetti from what we saw, and I think people were happy with him. I think he was in the discussion for rookie of the year last year for a good chunk of the year. Cole Perfetti was clearly far and away the third best player on his line last year, right? Like you're on a line with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois 
Kyle O'Connor is fast. He's a water bug. He's hard to keep a handle on. Guys got to keep their eyes on him. Pierre-Luc Dubois is just going to punch you in the mouth and skate to the front of the net and drag three players with him. That creates a lot of space for a guy. Like if you think about what Cole Perfetti got to, you know, people were talking about the difference between he and Matty Beneers and people would tell me they're right there. It's like Matty Beneers was conducting his own business with his own line and Cole Perfetti was hidden behind two premier NHL players and had a whole bunch of space to work with. That's gone now. Okay. Now we, we could argue about, you know, whether, you know, there's a lot of people out there that believe Nick Ehlers is underutilized and he just needs more space. But if you take a look just simply at production values, for the most part, Cole Perfetti is now on a line with two players, Nino Niederreiter and, and uh, Nick Ehlers, who are not as productive. And maybe you could make the argument not as good as Pierre-Luc Dubois and Kyle Connor. So the talent level of his line has gone down. And now he's being asked to, instead of going from hiding on the wing behind two guys who absorb all kinds of attention to being the premier guy to look at in that second spot. Another way of looking at this guys is if you go and take a look at his draft year, I don't think there's a single guy in his draft year who is being asked you know, you take Quentin Byfield, who's going to be hidden in that uh, Alex Lafreniere, who's, you know, a third line guy kind of hanging off on the wing there. The only guy in that draft class who's being asked to do more with his team than Cole Perfetti is Tim Stutzla from the Ottawa Senators, who's been doing it since he was 18. So I'm not saying that he can't do this. But I'm saying that Winnipeg Jets fans should look at this as a massive question mark whether he can or not. Because if he doesn't, it doesn't mean he's a he's he's a bomber that he can't play center at the NHL level. It just means this is a young man who's being thrust into the spotlight and asked to do more with less than he's had in the past with a body that has been beat up a little bit at the NHL level, moving into a spot where that level of, of grind is going to be that much greater. So you've had an injury prone player who's been able to hide and still been caught up with those injuries is going to be put in a spot where he isn't able to hide anymore. Can his body hold up to it? Can he elevate his game with le- with lesser? And I don't, I, I, I hate saying lesser, but I'm just going to do it for the sake of expediency with lesser <laughs> line mates to do so. It's a big ask. This is a much harder math equation that the Jets have given him to work on this year than he had last year. And it's going to be interesting to see how he handles it. Sure. Sean, I have an equation for you. Illegal curve plus Sean Reynolds equals awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Sean Reynolds you. covers the Winnipeg Jets for Sportsnet. Kenny and Rennie still going to go strong, even though oh, different, of course. Uh, different organizations this year still still on the same team, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny. It was the first question when everyone went down that. And to be honest, behind the scenes, I don't want to give away too much of what was ha- happening behind the scenes. But when Ken let me know what was happening and that he was moving, um, the first thing that he did, I think, when he was having his conversations with his new employer was, was Kenny and Rennie going to go on? Uh, and that was a big part of his decision. Uh, we've been committed to this market and, and, and to each other, despite all his philandering with all those different people. Um, and yeah, we're looking forward to another season of Kenny and we can't wait to get going there you, you go, guys Sean. are like Gretzky and McSorley and McSorley you guys are a package deal <laughs> there, we go. there we go I sure hope I'm the Gretzky in that takeaway boy oh boy <laughs> Sean thank you buddy the season starts in about uh, 10 days time we look forward to doing this uh, getting together more often you bet guys uh thanks for having me on I had a blast
Our pleasure. Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet. There he goes on this Saturday morning. When we come back on the program, an announcement of where we're going to be watching the Jets and the Calgary Flames on October 11th. We hope you will be there to join us as well. Stay tuned for I was that. I hoping it was going to be a new host, but I guess uh, we'll have to wait on that one. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. Not a new, There'll be a new host next week. I won't be here next Saturday. So one of you two guys can host next Saturday. But other than that, when we come back, we'll tell you where we're going to be on October 11th. We want you to be there as be well. All moose talk. All yeah, the time. <laughs> Much more to come. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, John Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go... We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Kids eat free all September long at Boston Pizza. That's right. For the month of September, kids eat free with minimum purchase. All this for, what's that word again? Yeah, free. Boston Pizza, hurry in. We are back on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, thrilled that Sean Reynolds was able to join us. Craig Button coming up at the bottom of the hour. But we are also thrilled to announce that for the Winnipeg Jets season opener versus the Calgary Flames on October 11th and all throughout the upcoming season, Illegal Curve will be broadcasting live from Boston Pizza, doing live on location post-game shows. So that's going to be a fun change for us, getting the show out of our basements and into the public live. So join us. Mark it on your calendar. October 11th, Wednesday night, the Jets open the season in Calgary versus the Flames. We're going to be at 
Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. Come watch the game with us. Stay for the live broadcast of the post-game show. There's going to be food specials, drink specials, prize draws, and Ezzy is signing autographs to the first 100 people in attendance, a maximum of 17 items per person. No more, no less. 17 items per person is what Ezzy is willing to autograph. We are thrilled to expand our partnership with our friends at Boston Pizza. So come check us out Wednesday, October 11th. Puck drop is 9 o'clock. We'll be there for the start of the game. Then we're doing the post-game show from there. We're going to do it all season long, but once a month throughout the season. We'll keep updating you about that. But check us out Wednesday, October 11th. Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. A live broadcast of the Illegal Curve post-game show. We're going to be hosting the game there. And we'll have a uh, tip a few back with you as well. So be sure to mark that in your calendar. Super exciting news, Drew. We're very excited to be doing shows, post-game shows this year at BP locations. The Taylor one happens to be uh, our home location or the one that's uh, closest to us, even though we frequent all BP locations in the city. Um, and I just wanted to throw out a number there, 20 over under. I'm setting the over under at 20. Uh, how many pierogi pizzas I'm going to eat this year at Boston Pizza? I, I would personally go with the over. I yeah. think I'm probably going to be around 24, 25 Pizza. I think I, I think the amount of pierogi pizzas I'm going to eat this year, boys, is the same amount of starts that Lauren Brassois is going to get. I'm going to say 25. Actually, that's a great question. We'll do. Well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll include that when we do our over under segment just, uh, <laughs> before the start of the season. That's a good one, Ezzy. I like that. What's going to be over or under Ezzy starts versus uh, Ezzy's pierogi pizzas versus Lauren Brassois uh, starts this year? But that's a good one. Anyways, we're thrilled to be at Boston Pizza. We. You know, done the a few live on location shows already. Of course, we did it last week at Hockey for All Center. It 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 works well. Producer Tim, it makes us look good and sound good. So we're thrilled that he's going to be joining us as well. And Boston Pizza, great partner of the show for a long time, and we're thrilled to expand that partnership. Come out, be in person with you. Tip a few back. Watch the Jets games. We'll do some trivia contests. We'll do some giveaways. There's great food and drink specials at our friends at Boston Pizza, and you know there's no better place to watch a game. We'll get the full audio up. We'll get a good vibe going. So check us out. Well, and Spencey, Spencey's asking. Uh, I think Spencey might be asking about yes. the post post game show, which is obviously <laughs> going to be in a hot tub in in Sage Creek. If anybody watched the show from last year's New Year's Eve show, Drew, I believe you were in Kentucky, yes, uh, or maybe Vegas. I forget. Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky right? Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so hard. You're you're such an international man of travel, Drew. It's hard to know. Sure. Like is like I know I saw Huss said he was at the Ryder Cup, and then I Googled. The Ryder Cup, and then it was in in Paris, right? It was no, it's in Italy, and that was that was when the Ryder Cup was in Minnesota, like, oh. uh, like eight years ago, as it or something. Oh, like no, that. but, but the, no, but it was funny though because Hustler was at hockey or for all center yesterday, and so he walked in, and I go, "Wait, I thought you were at the Ryder Cup." He's like, "That was an old picture. The Ryder Cup logos are blue, not red." Yes. And I was like, "Well, I go, Huss, no." He goes, "You could wouldn't believe how many people thought I was there." I go, well, "You didn't really <laughs> qualify on the picture. You didn't make it seem like you were there in the front row." So. Uh, yeah, it definitely well, wasn't And there, the but... thing is, boys, like, if there's anybody that it wouldn't surprise you if they were in Italy is is Hustler. Because, yes. you know, he was in uh, uh, Qatar for the World Cup. Like, he's always, you know, all over the U.S. and Canada. He goes to Kansas City and he goes to, you know, Vegas all the time. So he's one guy that you wouldn't be too surprised if he was like, yeah, I'm just jumping on a plane and going <laughs> to the Rome right Cup now. for three or four nights. But, yeah, he was actually at Hockey for All Center with, with Dave M and... And Paulie Edmonds and some of the other assembled media. So 
yeah, he's watching it on TV like the rest of us. Apparently, the U.S. is getting killed, right? Yeah, they they had a bad first day. They were they were really uh, shellacked yesterday. I'm not sure what's happening today just yet. Uh, I saw a question: Are we going to be? Is it just the post game show? No, we're hosting the game there. So come watch the game with us. Stay for the post game show. We're going to be there before puck drop. So puck drop next on that Wednesday, October 11th, is 9 p.m. Uh, so we're going to be there before 9 p.m. So make sure you get there on time. It's going to be busy. We're going to be there. We'll be shaking hands. We'll be kissing babies. Although I'm not sure why a baby. Would would be there at nine o'clock at night that's too late to bring your baby that's i'm not a, sure why anyone any parent would allow us to be kissing their baby so that's also probably a bigger question there drew fair enough there dave but anyways we're going to be there for the whole game and the post game show you'll be able to hear it all maybe even we'll set up a mic maybe we'll do a little incentive for those who are live on location for the post game show maybe they can come jump on with us and ask a question or two during the post game show don't Think- let spency near that mic He's already well, been on the know, show. We'll have to be on his best behavior. We'll have the we'll have the mute button uh, uh, just hovering with someone's hand over the mute button. But lots of things happening. Lots of excitement. We'll be at Boston Full Pizza. camera. So uh, more details to come. October 11th, we will be Boston Pizza, Taylor Avenue. Mark it in your calendar, and we'll keep uh, you updated from there on. And Drew, uh, one- the new captain of the Calgary Flames, Michael Backlund, I like that choice, signed a two-year deal. Yeah, that, that, yes, he did. About what, four and a half million? I think it was 4.4, yeah. 4, something like that. And it's good for him. I, I, he's been, you know this, Drew. I know we're not going to spend that much time on, on the Flames or, or Michael Backlund. We have bigger fish to fry. But it's nice for him because he's been, he's played his entire career with the Flames. And I, as far as I'm concerned, he's been a pretty underrated player. Obviously, you know, with you know, Matthew Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau and, and Sean Monaghan, you know, before that, Mark Giordano, they're like the Flames have had a lot of good players that I think have overshadowed Backlund, but he's a guy that I thought it was nice to see him sign a two-year deal, especially with the uncertainty or, you know, sur- surrounding Elias Lindholm and his future in Calgary. Very true, Mr. Ginsburg. I-, I want to bring to your attention your th- comments, your thoughts on the article that The Athletic published earlier this week. Uh, and it was, you know, they did their Jets preview and they go around the league and it's, you know, not Murat who writes it. So I want to make clear about that. It's, you know, Sean Gentili, uh, Dom Luchitian, I, 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 you know, other people are in Shana Goldman. And they really look at the at the Jets, uh, you know, and all the teams that they do these previews on uh, through an analytic lens. You know, primarily they look at some of the numbers and they have their game score and whatever other proprietary stat that they've created. And, mm-hmm. and and the line that jumped out to me the most about you know when they went through their Jets preview is they sort of just and I'm paraphrasing, but they described the Winnipeg Jets as the most mid team in the NHL with an elite goaltender. So they have you know, they acknowledge that Connor Hellebuck is the elite goaltender, but other than that, the Jets they said that the Jets are really very much a mid team, likely to be a playoff team unlikely to be a Stanley Cup contender, you know, not really being a threat, just a, te- uh, you know, likely to get into the, you know, a first round, maybe they win around. Your assessment or your thoughts on the assessment, I'm not sure if you read the article, um, but, you, you know, your thoughts on what the article... Uh, Shouldn't you know theorized. that before you ask us about the article, Andrew? Say that again, Dave? Shouldn't you know if we read the article before you ask us about said article? Well, I gave you the paraphrasing of the article. I mean, I would hope you guys would have done your research. So you did. I read the to... article seven times before the show. No, <laughs> I, I, I skimmed over the article you're talking about, specifically about the Jets, Drew. And, and, and obviously, you know, Sean Gentili, Dom, Shana, that's kind of like the, the analytical three-headed monster uh, for the athletic, right? Like, they do a great is. job. And right. we, talked, we, talk, we talked about their, um, in the offseason, when Dom was going over the free agent acquisitions and how that kind of differed a little bit from what Jay Fresh Hockey, another guy who, those who don't know, covers hockey from an analytical, does a really good job of 
of posting, you know, graphics about a player's uh, wins above replacement and everything like that. Game score, as you mentioned, Drew. Not sure about this new computer Ginsburg bought, Dave. Uh, it seems to freeze yeah, up a lot, a lot on him. I'm not, I think where you did you buy this of... new computer from there, Mr. Ginsburg? It seems to be a little glitchy on there. It's It seems fine, but look, at going back to what you were asking about the Jets this year, obviously, you know, this is the, the time of year for predictions, right? Everybody's trying to predict who's going to make the playoffs and, you know, what's going to happen and the preseason isn't even over yet. And I think, you know, what we've kind of all agreed on is, you know, that first off, the Central Division is not the best division in the NHL. It's arguably, you know, the third or fourth best division in the NHL or second worst, if you want to look at it like that, right, or worst. But I think that, you know, right now I look at that division and I, and I say for the Jets conversation, then the Jets aren't that far away, guys, from first or second. Like, I think, you know, I've said this to you guys before. I think Dallas, you know, was already a good team and they added Matt Duchesne. Like for me, I could easily see Dallas winning the Central Division. Colorado, you know, even though, you know, Ryan, the Ryan Johansson move, you know, getting a guy like Ross Colton, like nobody really talked about Thomas Tatar. That was a pretty sneaky signing by Joe Sackick, right? Like, so what I'm saying is I think Colorado and Dallas for me are the top two teams in the Central, but I think the Jets are right behind there. And I've said this, uh, you know, to you guys before. The Jets were a 95-point team last year. So why can't they be a 100 to 105 point team this year? That's only, what, three or four more wins? And I think, you know, they are better overall as a team. And it's not just the better forward depth, but you've improved your, your depth in goaltending with Lauren Brassois. Brassois is an upgrade over David Riddick. And you're going to be better defensively as a team because Gabe Velarde and Alex Iafallo are better defensive forwards than Pierre-Luc Dubois and Blake Wheeler. Yes, you might have lost a lot of offense, but if you throw in you know, a, a healthy season from Cole Perfetti and a full season or close to a full season from Nick Ehlers, I think arguably the Jets will score more goals this year than they did last year. So yes, are, are the Jets a middling team, Drew? Yeah, I, I think, you know, they're in the conversation for a wild card spot and in the West, but I also think they could push up into easily into a third place or second place team in the Central, maybe even first. But I still think for me, at least Dallas is the best team in the division. You know, to me, what jumps out to me, Dave, when you look, I sort of look around the league, especially in the Western Conference, mm-hmm. you know, even a middling team, if that's what the Jets are, there's not a big gap between, I'd say, the teams that people would say are the best in the conference and the middling teams. I don't think that there's this, there's a huge, uh, you know, I think the West is very compact, say one through, uh, you know, one through eight, one through nine uh, mm. in, in, the, in, the, in the conference. I mean, I think we know the bad teams in the conference, and the bad teams are pretty apparent who they're going to be. You know, uh, right. San Jose is going to be a bad team. You know, Chicago with Bedard is going to be probably better, but they're not going to be a good team. Arizona's, you know, improved. They're not going to be a good team. You know, uh, Anaheim. I mean, we know who the bad teams they are. Don't have their guys signed for God's sake. They're going to be terrible. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know what no they're going to Sign those guys. Give them, give them eight years. Sign them and, and be I'll done I'll be surprised with if Anaheim wins 25 games this year. Yeah, that's a bad hockey team, especially especially when they're without their guys signed, like mm-hmm. Dave just said. To me, there's not a big gap though, you know, between a, a the 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 you know between the say the the one through ten in the conference. I don't think that there's a runaway best team in the conference. Every team that you would sort of put at the top of your uh, on your lips as, as one of the better teams to me still has questions. I mean, Colorado, of course, you know, disappointing year last year, but you can't tell me that they don't have a sizable amount of questions. 
particularly you know uh, you know in goal they have questions and they're without going to be without Landeskog for the for the season as well. So mm-hmm. questions galore in the West is what I would say. So saying that they've Jets got are, they've got as you know though Drew the thing is with Colorado is you've got McKinnon, Rantanen, McCarr. <laughs> like that's the thing. Like their best players are literally the best players in the NHL, right? So no question. The high end got, talent. That's so why I still put Colorado year? at the top. You know, it, it got them to the first round and out. Now you could say right. that's a function of you know the the this not even the ha- the hangover for the Stanley Cup necessarily, but just the wear and tear winning the Stanley Cup has on you and the shortened off season and the impact it has on the year after. But to me, you know, there's not a huge gap, is what my point was, Dave. Yeah, and I, and I think you're not wrong, and I think that the interesting thing for me, and it's why I always take these predictions with a grain of salt, is that sure. there are a million and one factors as to what could and couldn't happen. You know, is Nikolai Ehlers, you know, we talked to Nikolai Ehlers a few days ago and he was wistful. He said, I just want to play 82 games. Now he did that. He did that in back-to-back seasons in 16, 17 and 17, 18. So it's not that he's incapable of doing it. And then he played 71, I think two years later, but that's what you need. You need a Nikolai Ehlers to play a full season. You need a Cole Perfetti to elevate his game as Sean talked about and play a full season. So I always find these again, even when we sometimes do them, I'm like, what worth are they? You know, hey, look, when you pick Dallas Stars and nobody else does to make it the Stanley Cup Finals, that's 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 a win you celebrate. But the reality is that <laughs> well tough. you've been you've been running on that win for how many years now? Oh, a few now, at least. Dave, Dave bl- has mentioned that, Drew. Like, I think the statue of limitations, or is it statute uh, of statute. limitations? It's not a statue <laughs> yeah. like the like statue, statue of liberty. The statute yeah. of limitations. Remind us on what that, your LSAT score was again. <laughs> What's that, Drew? Anyways. Remind us what your LSAT score was again. Oh, yeah. I got a – it was a 147. <laughs> yeah. The point I, I was – I didn't get into law school. That's that's all you need to know. <laughs> For those who don't know, it's on a scale of 120 to 180. Uh, 150, obviously, would be 50th percentile. So let's just say that uh, I went into journalism and I didn't go into law school. I think you get 150 for spelling your name properly. He's, he wrote it Izzy, actually, is the way. He, but a lot of people call him Izzy yeah. instead of Izzy. I so got my hometown okay. wrong. I mean, that cost me, like, at least five points. Yeah. So look, I, I just think that it's just it's there's it's the reason why we watch hockey every night. It's the reason why we do 82 post games. It's the reason why I, I just find that these bold predictions and look, a, a lot of times they their assessments could be close. But the fact is that you you got to take everything with a grain of salt because there are so many question marks that come into every team's not just the Jets, every team's, um, you know, start of a season. You know, hope springs eternal for all 32 teams or for most of the 32 teams, as you've touched on, Drew, in terms of parity. But yeah. the fact of the matter is that, look, if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you have a lot of question marks with, you know, are Connor Hallibuck and Mark Shifley going to be here? Are they going to be able to get Cole Perfetti a full season and him elevate his game? Is Nikolai Ehlers going to be healthy? What's the defense going to look like? Is this team under Rick Bonus? And we talked about this with Rick Bonus yesterday in terms of adopting his system and Kyle Connor talked about that and that's one thing I think people have to take into account last year new coach you know there's a lot of uncertainty and now this team has had a year of getting to know Rick Bonus he's had a year of getting to know the team he was asked you know if a slide like last year happens how do you arrest it he said well I know this team better I know I think I'll be able to adjust accordingly so to me again I always just I read them obviously with an interest and I and I post them in the morning papers like I do pretty much anything that's Jets related, but I just think you have to take it all with a grain of salt because there are so many question marks that go into each and every game. Uh, so it's hard to predict, you know, like you said, uh, the Colorado Avalanche losing one of their most critical players for the entirety of the year. That changes them. The Jets haven't had that happen. We'll see what happens, but that's why we watch It's actually two years now for Landis. It's going to be yeah. two years for Landis Cog. It's, well, you want- it's absolutely crazy how much hockey that he's missed, but I just still think that they've got 
so much depth that they're still going to be one of the top two teams, Dave. I, I, like at the very least, the Avalanche are making the playoffs, right? Like if the Avalanche missed the playoffs, guys, something has gone horribly wrong. Well, you know what? The, you know, that with Tampa Bay, we'd even talk about it. We'll talk about it with Craig Button on the other end of the break. All of a sudden, Tampa Bay is going about it. They think they're perfectly fine. Boom. Vasilevsky out for the first three months of the season. Talk about that kind we're of impact. Sign Halak. It's all good. There you go. When we come back, Craig Button, TSN director of scouting, one of our favorites, set to join us. We'll talk to him about the Jets training camp. We'll talk to him about the exhibition season. We'll talk to him about everything going around the NHL. Stay with us Saturday morning. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of the hour. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezzy Ginsberg, Craig Button scheduled to join us. Hopefully he'll be with us momentarily. I'm sure Ezzy will be doing his texting work to see if Craig is able to indeed jump on with us as originally scheduled. So as we've been talking about, of course, the Illegal Curve postgame show set to return live on location for that first one Wednesday, October 11th. And then after you're subscribing, Drew. Be sure to subscribe. Yes, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're not already doing so. While you're at it, smash the like button on today's show. Uh, And then, of course, we're going to be doing it after each and every Winnipeg Jets game, all 82 games over the course of this 23-24 season. We'll have some fun. We'll have some nights where things aren't as fun, but whatever it will be, we will be honest with you, our audience. And I believe, uh, not yet official, but we're working on it. We're going to be able to bring coaches' comments live uh, during the post-game show uh, tonight, or when the the team is at home. So the home games, the uh, coach Rick Bonus, his post-game comments, will be aired live here on our post-game show. Either live or we'll have them shortly after. He's, That's right. If he's, not live, it'll happy. be shortly thereafter, so we'll be sure to be able to bring that to you during our post-game show this That'll year be courtesy as well. of our photogs, Colby Spence and Alex James. Big shout-out to Colby. He's going to be in Calgary for Illegal Curve on Monday shooting the Jets and Flames preseason game. So uh, Colby is out enjoying himself getting a little R&R, some photos uh, in BC, no, in Alberta this year, and he's going to head to Calgary on Monday for that game. There you go. So looking forward to bringing you some more great content once the regular season begins. And Luke Parrott, we got to give a shout out to Luke. Luke is joining us. He's a young photographer here in Winnipeg. He's shooting some, uh, possibly some moose for us, and he's shot some of the training camp and some of the development camp. So Luke Parrott, big shout out to Luke as well. Exactly. So, you know, be sure to follow us on our Instagram feed, on our Facebook page, and of course the website and on Twitter slash X, whatever the hell it's called. Uh, so the, the website. The groups are out, Drew. Group. I'm sorry? The new groups are out. Day 11. New, we've got the, the new, we've got, if go out, you could. The new phone books are here. I, yeah. What are you talking about? I don't, what do you mean the new the groups, groups? The group, the pairings, the, the Jets uh, haven't made any cuts yet, but they've, they've broken up the group. So we now know that the main group is made up of 28 players and the smaller group is made up of, I think, hold on, let me just do some basic math, 17 players. And there are five guys who are currently missing from the group uh, in Jets training camp. One group gets going at noon, which are open to the public. So if anybody wants to go to hockey for all center, you can go watch those. So there's a skate at noon and there's a skate at two and uh, it's just interesting, as you and I were talking during the break, about some of the different guys who are in Group 1, which is the more veteran group, versus mm-hmm. Group 2. And so... Uh, I'm, I'm seeing it up on my screen for now. Those, yeah. For those fans of Parker Ford and his game, mm-hmm. uh, we talked about him. He's a, a young 23-year-old forward. 
who's been really impressive in training camp and preseason. He's in the main group with the NHL regulars. As Dave mentioned, obviously the group, the first group has more of the NHL regulars. So interesting to see Parker Ford in there. Axel Janssen, Fialbi is also in that group. Well, so what do you make of Jansen Harkins being in Group B, which clearly looks like it's more of a of an AHL uh, a group when you compare it to Group A? I mean, you know, if you're Jansen Harkins, you know, and and maybe this has something to do with the fact that you played last night in Ottawa, but don't you have to be a little bit discouraged that you're in that Group B right now yeah. uh, versus the Group A? And you know, maybe I can even bring up. Uh, the groups are on the screen so uh, so people can sort of see what we're uh, what I'm talking about here. You guys talk about that while I try and bring this up, okay? Well, sure. I mean, it's I think it's definitely interesting to see that Jansen Harkins and Dominic Tonnato are the two guys who are more the more veteran. You know, Brad Lambert, Chaz Lucius, Jeff Mallott, Christian Reichel, Nikita Chibrikov, Ezzy, those guys being in group B is not a huge surprise as is Sautner and Lundmark and Bauer and Salamonson and Kuzmin, well, Drew Mendel show right there, Artemi Nizev and Dean Stewart. So those guys in being in group B, not a huge surprise. You need a little uh, along, zoom in there, I think, Drew. <laughs> along right. with Oscar Salmon and, and along with um, Thomas Millich. So those are the guys who, you know, you would expect for the most part. I, I mean, I was a little surprised that Jeffrey Veal uh, went up to the main group as did um, you know, actually on some PLB and Parker Ford, those are really of the main guys as he, those are the guys you were kind of those bubble ones. And I'm, I'm a little surprised Jansen Harkins wouldn't be in group a, but again, obviously he's just not this has that same level of, of, um, I don't know, uh, favorite. I don't want to say favoritism. That's the wrong word, but he just doesn't have the same level of commitment, I guess, from the coaching staff right now and uh yeah it looks like unless drew it's because they played last night but some of those other guys played last night as yeah. well that are in group a so um look it's it's a little it's not a huge surprise to me but again like I, I would have thought you'd throw harkins in there just to keep him on that kind of bubble but again look waivers is str- as as we once heard from one of the president bushes i believe it was the number two strategery it's all about strategery in terms of trying to get waivers and figuring out what was, how you're what gonna... was his lsat score so i think from from uh from that perspective you just have to be aware like that's look the jets got burned with johnny kovacevic last year they're gonna have to try and you know finagle look colin dealey i thought has looked pretty good uh in net of course it was only the one game he played against the oilers but he's another guy you're gonna have to get through waivers you're gonna have to get a lot of these guys through waivers and look teams don't have a ton of room we've seen it with the winnipeg jets of course with injuries that as he plays into it as well but i think you've got a situation where you have to factor in that hey these guys are you're gonna have to try and get them down because you don't want to lose all of these guys right like the tonados and the harkins you do need to have your ahl club which is going to be young with the jilkins and the chibrikovs and the lamberts and the lucius's you need to offset that with some of those veteran guys like tonado and yep. harkins and actually onsen fielby and i agree yeah, with I, dave drew in terms of I, I think you know it's discouraging that not only that you know, Harkins is in that group, but I think it's discouraging for Harkins that he didn't play a full year in the NHL last year and had to spend a significant amount of time in the AHL, right? So it doesn't mean, you know, that 100%, you know, sure that Harkins won't make, but I always, I already thought that he was on the cusp. Like for me, going into training camp, it was between David Gustafson and Axel Janssen-Fielby. Now, Parker Ford has looked really impressive. We talked about that during the first hour with Sean Reynolds. Like he's been really impressive, but to me, you want to see more from him at the American Hockey League level. You've Absolutely. only had a cup of coffee at the American Hockey League level. So mm-hmm. could Parker Ford be your 13th forward? Sure. 
But, you know, for me personally, Gustafson's got the inside edge and then probably Axel Janssen Fjallby because of what he did on the fourth line last year. He has an outside shot. And, you know, maybe the Jets go with, you know, two extra forwards and one extra defenseman. But as we know, it's more likely that they go with two extra defensemen and one forward. And I think those extra defensemen, you know, there's a good chance that's going to be Declan Chisholm and Vili Hainola. But then again, you're looking, you're going to have to put one of those um, Stanley and or Capobianco on waivers. Yeah, but I mean, again, I'm I'm fine with that. I'm fine with 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 one of those with those guys going on waivers. I'm particularly fine, you know, Capo Bianco. I mean, I think it would be. I mean, he spent most of the year last year in the press box, and you know, sure, he's never you're never thrilled about not playing, but you know, he gets an NHL salary, he gets to live an NHL lifestyle. So, and and that's exactly sort of he knows where he's at at this stage of his career, and he'll likely be would be I imagine the Jets you know would put him on waivers. And again, we talked about the Logan Stanley question. We, we we've addressed it enough. I mean, I, I'm on record as saying the Logan Stanley experiment needs to end. And, and Cabo, just drew, drew Cabo Bianco has a groin issue right now, so he's right. he's he's not really a factor in terms of he's injured anyway. So you don't right. have to you don't you kind of kick that one down the road a little bit, mm-hmm. which is actually probably a bit of a blessing in disguise. That you know you know you, a team's not going to put put in a waiver claim on a guy who might not be fully healthy. I mean, I, I think that you maybe you are not that I not that I, I ever really thought he was going to be claimed last year. That's why I never understood it last year. And I don't think I'd understand it for a second year, potentially losing a young defenseman in exchange for uh, a veteran like him who's ceiling, you know, Bianca might high. be claimed, Drew. I, I, I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that with, you know, 100% certainty, but just because of the fact that he's a guy that's versatile and he's a veteran, right? What is he, 26 years old at this point? I'm just I saying think, for like a younger team that might have some injuries on their back end, same thing goes for Logan Stanley. Like I think I would, Logan Stanley will be claimed. I don't have any doubt about that. that I, I'm I'm confident in saying that I think Logan Stanley would be claimed. But at the same time, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. He's not going to – there's no more room for his game to elevate here in Winnipeg it's come to a con- it's come to a conclusion it had come to a conclusion I would have argued last year when I, you know I didn't think it would have been a big deal had the Jets traded him or the Jets lost him last year I mm-hmm. think that it's just time for the Logan Sp- Stanley uh you know not even an experiment because it's not an experiment it's just time for it to to move on for other the, players the two- have just passed him on the depth chart that's right that's that's a simple like Dylan Sandberg beat Stanley out effectively for that third pairing job on the left side mm-hmm. and now you've got Declan Chisholm who's now past Logan Stanley like let's be honest here and, and nothing that has happened in this training camp would say that Logan Stanley has has you know managed to elevate his game beyond beyond any of those players that he's in a battle with I mean, when you look at the performance in training camp and the performance in the preseason games, he's been outplayed by Hainala and he's been outplayed by Declan Chisholm. I mean, I don't know how anyone can argue contrary to that. And that's fine. So he goes somewhere else and maybe he gets a fresh start and maybe he's able to find his game or maybe he's able to elevate his game or maybe he just is able to play NHL games on a weaker team and good for him if that happens. But for the Winnipeg Jets, a team that has designs on being a playoff team and a team that you know is not rebuilding as we've been told and has no interest in a rebuild, well, Logan Stanley is not going to be a, a, a key factor in the organization anymore. I just don't see it, Dave. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to be the Logan Stanley defender because I right. think that he's had the opportunity to defend himself. So, I mean, we'll see what happens as training camp proceeds.
That's welcome to the program. Our very good friend from TSN, Craig Button, joins us on the show. Craig, good morning. How are things? How was your summer? My summer was good. Sorry, I was. Uh, I had to. I did an update on my computer. And I had to wait for it to finish. So I That's apologize. Me, for... That's exactly. I bought a did... new computer, and then all of a sudden it went into the updates. I'm not sure if you just recently purchased a new laptop, but so I, I was about seven minutes late for the show. So I think me and you have a lot to to relate to on this Saturday morning. Yeah, no, I was just, it was an update on the computer, the new operating system. And, you know, I, I clicked it an hour ago, but uh, it takes, I didn't think it would take that long. And just about 925, it said 11 minutes to go. And I'm going, oh, no, I should have sent you a note, Ezra. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. We always appreciate you coming on, Craig. Technical difficulties happen all the time. So we're just glad that we have you on. Always at an inopportune time, those updates. There's no question about it. Craig, yeah. uh, thrilled to have you join us this morning. Uh, obviously, we've spent most of the, uh, of the show, most of all of our shows, discussing the Winnipeg Jets and training camp. I want your perspective. I mean, you know, as a former member of front offices throughout the league, you know, Kevin Dayoff is faced with both the Connor Hellebuck question and the Mark Shifley question. Uh, and he's going to be faced with that question all the way up until the trade deadline comes and goes if, if those players aren't dealt before then. W- sort of walk us through what a front office is, is experiencing when they have something like this going on. Two marquee players at the in their last year of their contract, a team that has aspirations still of being a playoff team, if not more. So walk us through the, the machinations in a front office right now. And Drew, you talk about aspirations. I, I, I think that that's a really good word to use as a launching point here because it's it, it's the aspirations of the Winnipeg Jets as an organization, Kevin and, and Rick Bonus at all. It's also the aspirations of Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley to put their best foot forward to, to get, get, get the best contract they possibly can going into potentially unrestricted free agency next summer when there's going to be a lot more money in the system. It's the aspirations of a team that wants to show they're much better than the one that finished. And, you know, there's some players that aren't there any longer, but there's, there's players that are there that, you know, quite frankly, you know, they weren't happy about the way it finished. So all those things – you know, dovetail together. And, and so you're, you're managing them. And so aspirations, that's a good thing to have. <laughs> it's a good thing to have as, as a hockey club. It, it really is. No, and it is. And, and as you point out, th- there's good players here. There's good players in Winnipeg. And I think everybody knows that. Kevin knows that. So now as we go through the season, and, and you start out the season, everybody knows that Connor is a top goalie and Mark Scheifele is a top center. And wh- what you want to do is this, okay, where are we at as a team? Okay, I don't think there's any question that Mark and Connor are going to perform at a at a high level. But now you want to see what they are with the team, and and that's going to be instructive into November, into December, into January. Let's not forget, right near the end of January last year, this was a team that was right right near the top, if not at the top of the Western Conference. So what happens if they're in the same spot at the end of January? Look, like, what does Kevin Shovel Day off do? What do what do the Winnipeg Jets do? They, they both both those players may not be signed. So do we trade them? You know, there's going to be interest in them near the deadline. So that to me is is where the the, the pressure point comes. You, you know, Kevin has shown that he's very patient and that he's not going to rush things. He he might be accused at times of being too patient, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it serves him well. I think it'll serve him well here to understand. Okay. 
what does the Western Conference look like? Number number two, what number one, what does our team look like and what are we capable of? Would there be anything wrong with saying our team's good enough to compete and we're going to go all in knowing that we might lose both those guys? I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad approach. But you have to go through the first 45, 50 games of the year to really understand where you're at. Obviously, and, and this is my own take on it, if the team isn't showing a capability and they're, they're not they're, – they're, I think they'll be right on – I think they're a playoff team. But let's say they're not showing a capability. I think it becomes a lot easier understanding uh, from Kevin's point of view, from a management point of view, okay, what do we have to explore here? Because if you're not good enough with Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele, then nothing really you can do is going to make it better. So now I think that's where you you really have to take a, a really measured, strong approach to do it. And, and, and look at what Kevin did with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. You know, each of those players that he acquired, you know, Velarde, Kupari, IFL, individually they're not as good as Luke, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but collectively the three of them I think make the Jets a better team. And ultimately that's what you're trying to do. You know, it's it, everybody says, oh, who won the trade? Well, you, when you're making trades – you're, you're trying to improve your team. I, I think the Jets, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois is a really good player. But I think the Jets are a better team with get, getting three players like that for one, even though the one is is individually better than any of the three individually. Yeah, I agree, Craig. And, you know, it, didn't, it doesn't seem like that long ago we had you on the show back in 2020 talking about the Jets drafting Cole Perfetti, 10th overall. And obviously, you know, <laughs> Perfetti, speaking of aspirations, the Jets have aspirations, Perfetti as the as the 2C, right? Playing on a line with Nino Niederreiter, Nick Ehlers. Nick Ehlers had neck spasms. Perfetti had the, the injury scare, but he was back in the in full contact jersey. He's going to be okay. What are your expectations for Perfetti? Because obviously, you know, he missed about 30 games last year um, and, you know, was having a really good, you know, first 50 games uh, of the year. But what, what are you expecting out of him in that 2C role? Because I think, you know, you would agree – you know, all the skill, the vision is there, and, you know, everything is trending upward. What I would say uh, with respect to that is is that you're looking now at a, at, at a player that's older, more mature, understands it. I also believe that when you look at where Cole is in the lineup, he's got Adam Lowry backing him. He's got Mark Scheifele in front of him. That gives Rick Bonus a real opportunity to not put – Cole into situations that might be a little bit still beyond him. And, and, and I think that it's almost ideal if you're going to, I mean, he's played center and junior. He's been a very creative player. We know that he's skilled. I, I think the situation also sets him up for success. So, you know, he's creative, he's skilled. He, he's got a lot of confidence in his game. Hopefully that the hit he took the other night uh, in the game versus the Calgary Flames is is one that you know isn't anything lingering. I I I, I don't I, I hope it isn't. I, I'm not going to be a doctor and try to. But but I think he's set up nicely where he's placed in the lineup, and and I think that that can really help Cole settle in. Might not be the right word, but be productive and show his capabilities as the two C. You know, Craig the. Since 2009, when 19, sorry, when the Jets drafted Ville Hainola, and he played all those games, and there was a lot of excitement for him. So now, of course, then he has to have some time in the AHL. He marinates. Not a big deal. Not a bad thing for a young player to get some experience. The question for us, and it's one we've been talking about throughout the course of this broadcast, is when I talked to him at the end of the season with the Moose, his attitude was, I have to go home and have a great summer in Finland, and I can't let the Jets remove me even though my waiver status essentially says 
I'm easily sent back down to the moose this year. So if you're Kevin Sheveldayoff, and Rick Bonus talked about it throughout the course of this training camp, the first 10 days, he needs the best team, whether a guy is waiver exempt or not and how that factors in. But we know still those things do come into account when the management is talking. So if you're the Jets and you have a player like Heinola who's done all the right things at the AHL level, and now looks like he's ready for at least that 7-8 role. I'm not saying he's going to supplant any of the top six in the Jets, but at least that 7-8, what do you do? Because he is waiver-exempt and it allows you to punt it down a little bit. Yeah, and so that being said, like, you know, it's amazing we talk. We talk about, oh, 2019, uh, you know, Billy Hainewell was drafted. 2020, Cole Perfetti was drafted. We're talking about 22-year-old and 21-year-old players, young, young players. And yet we're, again, we're impatient. We, we want to see them do it because they their first-round draft picks and everything. Every player is going to progress at their own rate. I, I think Billy has always had a, a real sharp mind for the game. We've seen him skate and make plays. The physical maturity was something that was going to have to come for him. You know, I was watching the game uh, 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 last night versus Ottawa, and Kevin Sawyer was talking about Billy Hayden. And he, he looks bigger, and you know, he looks like a player that can handle some of the some of the challenges defensively and some of the heavy lifting, so to speak. And and I, and I think that that's what you want to see for a young player. The fact that he is waiver exempt, I, I, it gives you the opportunity if you want to keep him as your seventh seventh defenseman, right? I, I think what you have to really do with with Villy is say, listen, if he's in your plans, you, you you can't you know misconstrue. If he's in your plans, tell him you're in his plan. But here's our here's what we need to do this year. You know what? There's going to be times you're going to be playing with us. There's going to be times where you might not be dressing with us. And there's going to be times where you're playing in Manitoba because we need you to keep moving along that path. And and I think you pick your spots. You know wh- wh- where all of that, uh, wh- where all that fits. And you know you don't want to give up on a young 22 year old defenseman, especially a young defenseman that you thought highly of by drafting him that high. You know you, you look at him. You look at Declan Chisholm. You know like Dylan Sandberg. They were very patient with. There's going to be a turnover here with the uh, with the Winnipeg Jets blue line in, in, in the next 12 to 18 months. There just is. It's just that that's the way it's going to happen. So you you if you don't have players that are that are ready, you, you can take a player and plug them in there. But you want players that are ready to do that. So I think like I talk about Villy, I talk about Declan. I, I think it's important years, an important year for them and the Jets, like to keep moving on if you believe in them. And I, I don't have any reason to believe that they don't believe in them. They, they've shown a, a lot of patience with, with all of their players over the course of time. Craig Button is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know Craig from his great analysis that he provides on TSN all throughout the season. Craig, the Jets open this, the, the regular season in Calgary on October 11th. You look at the Jets, you look at the Flames, two teams with a fair bit of upheaval this offseason and a lot of lingering questions, a lot of contracts. We've talked about it from the Jets' perspective. Which team do you think is in a better position, the Jets or the Flames, uh, you know, moving, you know, moving into this season? Yeah, you know what I would say, and, and you might accuse me of ducking the question. You know, they both have new captains. They, you know, the Jets were in the playoffs last year. And I, I, you know, save for 21 games during the regular season, it was a very good team in Winnipeg. And they went through that that dip of 21 games, and, and it led to lots of questions. We know what happened after they won game one versus the Vegas Gold Knights and, and uh, what the feelings were. Well, you know, Kevin made some some changes, and – uh, again, I talk about aspirations. The aspirations for the Calgary Flames, I think, are exactly the same as the Winnipeg Jets. 
They want to show – the Jets want to show that they're more of the team that they were for three-quarters of the season. The Flames want to show that they were much better than a team that missed the playoffs. You know, Michael Backlund, longtime Flame, is the captain. Craig Conroy got him signed. You know, there's a lot of questions at the end of the year. What are these guys going to do? And Craig's just – you know, working at it, working at it, working at it, gets back when signed, working at trying to get some other players signed. But you're in a the, – the Flames are in a tough division. They got Edmonton up north of them. They got L.A. They got Vegas. They got Seattle. That's a tough division. I don't think the Jets are in as tough a division. I, I just – you know, I think the, the National Predators are down. We know where the Chicago Blackhawks are. Dallas is a good team. I mean, I think the the Colorado Avalanche will be interesting to see how they rebound. But but I think the Jets, like, are in a good spot. I think they're both playoff teams. I think the Winnipeg Jets and the Calgary Flames are both playoff teams. And there could be five teams, you know, you know, from 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 the uh, from the Pacific Division make the playoffs. Then you ask yourself, well, who's out? Is Colorado out? Is Dallas out? Is Minnesota out? Is Winnipeg out? You know, that's where you kind of, that's where I kind of get to where the math is at. Nine, I, I see nine really good teams in, in, in the in the West. Nine really good teams. One of them's not going to make it. But I don't see the Jets and the, the Flames being, being in, I, I just don't see them being in that spot. I think the Flames are going to make the playoffs as well, Craig, and I think the Jets are going to make the playoffs. So I agree with you 100%. Just like our computer is going into Windows update mode, I, I, I think we're, we're on the same page on that one. I wanted to ask <laughs> you about uh, Gabe Velarde. Uh, we, you mentioned Gabe earlier, obviously, is the centerpiece in the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade, and he's on the right wing alongside Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor. and there always is the chance that you know Nick, Nick Ehlers elevates to that, that first-line role. But you know, there's always, you know, it's funny because, you know, we have you on the draft. I think we've had you on the draft every single year since the Jets came back. And we always talk about, you know, is a guy better suited to be on the wing at the NHL level? You know, that came up with Cole Perfetti. You know, Gabe Velarde obviously played center in the OHL, played a little bit of center at the Kings, but also played on the wing. Like, it's just preseason, but boy, Connor Shifley and Velarde have looked really good on that top line. And it looks like, you know, at least for the short term, you know, Velarde is going to be a great fit playing on Mark Shifley's wing there. I don't have any question about it. Gabe was a was a was an excellent junior player. You know, ha- had some back issues, injury problems as he turned pro. Missed missed significant time, and when you miss significant time, that's development time, and and certainly that that set Gabe back a little bit. Being healthy, and 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 you see what he did. He saw what he did last year in in Los Angeles. He's big. He's weighty. He's got great vision. He's got excellent hands, and and those hands in tight. And when you have really good offensive players, Kyle Connor and Mark Scheifele certainly qualify as high-end offense. You know, somebody that can get the puck into their hands, somebody that can do good things with the puck and, and think the game and think the game at their level, I, I, I think that's the makings of a really strong line. And, and because Gabe is so good with his weight, he's a heavy player below the dots, you know, in and around the net. He, he, he really makes life difficult for, for defenders and opponents. And I think he adds a, a really nice element. You know, just as we talked about Gabe, and I'm just going to extend this just quickly, is that, you know, you look at Gabe, you look at Alex Iafalo, you look at Rasmus Kavari. They're all big, they're all weighty, and they all can skate. <laughs> That's what makes you a better team. That's l- l- Listen, the, the, you know, we know that the NHL playoffs are, are vastly different than the NHL regular season. If you're not big and heavy and hard on the blue line and on the walls come playoff time, you ain't winning. You ain't winning. And that's a fact. And that ain't changing. And 
I that that's why I'm so bullish on the three additions. And Rasmus is going to play deeper down the lineup. Alex can swing up and down. We, you just talked about where Gabe fits, but they're harder to play against. I think the Jets will be harder to play against and put pressure on opponents' defenses and be able to play more time in the offensive zone, which alleviates some of the pressure on your own blue line. Yeah, Craig, you're right. And I was watching Rasmus, and I didn't really know much about him, but I've been watching him the last 10 days at uh, Hockey for All Center, and he's he's a much bigger, stronger guy. You go watch him go to the front of the net. And Craig, uh, um, um, Rick Bonus has talked about the fact that He's a guy that didn't get a lot of opportunity in L.A. He's going to get that opportunity here in Winnipeg. But the guy I want to ask you about is a guy who's a local to you, is Adam Lowry being selected as the captain for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, we know they couldn't have gone wrong had they gone with two two Albertans, either in Josh Morrissey or in Adam Lowry. They settle on Adam Lowry. But what are your thoughts on Lowry being named the captain of the Winnipeg Jets? Well, I mean, I think it's fitting. I, I, I think it's fitting for the Jets. I think the C fits Adam. I think the way Adam plays... Uh, you know, Kevin Sawyer talked about Winnipeg being a, a hardworking, you know, uh, city that really prides itself on players that, you, you know, represent uh, a hardworking element, a, a really determined competitive approach. Adam, Josh does too. Uh, I mean, Josh and, and Adam, I mean, you, you, you couldn't go wrong in selecting either one of them. But, you know, I think Adam, you know, with the, the, with the fact that he is the captain, it, it's not up to one person. There'll, there'll be a group that'll, that'll be asked to leave. But to me, Adam embodies everything you want in a captain. I mean, think about the fight last year with Ryan Reeves. I mean, Ryan Reeves in Minnesota is running around, and Adam says, not on my watch, not here. And it wasn't about, am I going to beat you? It was about it was about standing up to the challenge. Captains, leaders stand up to the challenge. I was at a dinner the other night, and Mark Messier was talking about, you know, winning. And it, it says it takes everybody to be all in. And he said, you know, when you're, when you're part of a good team, it's about the commitment to each other. It's about not letting each other down. It's about saying, I'm going to do my part as hard as it may be, as difficult as it may be, because I got to look those guys in the, in the eye. I got to live in that room with those guys. And I don't want anybody to doubt my commitment. Nobody doubts Adam Lowry's commitment. Everybody knows that when the puck drops, Adam's all in to win. And he, he shows it in many different ways. It's not just, I, I use that example, Ryan Reeves. He's a smart player, a great penalty killer. He'll add offense, but... The, the type of player, when you, when, when you talk about somebody that, that, that you want to embody the spirit and the type of team you want to be, I think Adam does exactly that. Adam Lowry embodies everything the Winnipeg Jets were looking for in a captain. Craig Button embodies everything a legal curve is looking for <laughs> in a guest. So good parallels between the two of you. Craig, appreciate your time and insight this morning. We'll get together again real soon. Season starts in a mere 10 days away. It's going to be a great one, and we look forward to spending it with you all season long. And I look forward to spending it with you guys as well. Always a, always a pleasure to, uh, to join your show and to, and to spend some time with you. Thanks, Thanks Craig. Craig. Be, be well this weekend. Yeah. We'll do it again real soon. Thank you. There Take he goes, care. Craig Button joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Two hours flew by, even though we started a few minutes late. It just flew by in a blink of an eye because you know. I'll have three minutes, Drew, if you want to see. Craig, Craig had computer problems as well, Drew. You're always you're giving me company, a hard time. I mean, it's not just me. I mean, we live, in the, we live in this technological world. We're all basically, you know, slaves to our computers and our phones. So, um, but let's just say that next weekend, I will make sure that the internet is fine. I might come to Dave's house two hours early just to oh, make lovely. sure that that doesn't happen.
Yeah, well, that's, uh, I think, in fact, while Dave's asleep, you should just stand over his bed and stare at him until he wakes <laughs> He's done up. That I before. That, yeah, I know. He probably has. That's the, that's One of my sad. favorite comments, by the way, was when Drew announced that we're doing the season opener, by the Perfect timing for Ezzy's mic. Perfect to cut timing out. For, his, for his mic to cut out <laughs> yet again. It's a, I, well, for me, it sounds fine. So Wednesday, October 11th, we'll be at BP Taylor for the Jets Flames season opener. But I don't know how long ago it was. One of my favorite comments of today's show was, when, the, when someone said that Drew and I are obviously being kicked out of our basements, that was pretty funny. That's true. Every now that. and then we get to every now and then we get to remove ourselves from the basement. Uh, next weekend I'll be removed from the basement, so uh, I'll leave you guys uh, the show yes. in your good hands yes. next weekend. Atlanta, that's where you're going, Drew. I am going to Atlanta. You're right. I'm going to. Are you doing uh, like research on the Thrashers? Uh, thrashers and Flames. You know, we were talking about uh, the Jets and the Flames, so I'm going to go do research on the Atlanta Thrashers, the Atlanta Flames, the Atlanta Braves, the Kentucky Wildcats, the Georgia Bulldogs, the Houston Texans, and the Atlanta Falcons. That's what I'm going to be doing research on sports uh, next nice. weekend. So uh, you guys will be in. Uh, everyone will be in good hands with you two running the show, and I look forward to rejoining you guys for the start of the season on Wednesday, October. We'll 11. have some fun stuff to unveil. Yes, the start of the season when everything exactly. gets when we start when we renew when we get everything ready to roll. There'll be some new changes here on a little site called, well, not a site. Sorry, Our a little show YouTube called Illegal Curve Hockey. Yeah. Exactly. And of course, the big change, October 11th, the first game live at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue, Illegal Curve watch party and stay for the Illegal Curve post game show. So join us for the Jets and the Flames. Stay for the post game show. All sorts of fun and games coming Does your way. Does that mean way. that everybody, you said it's a watch party. Does that ever mean everyone has to wear a watch? If they want, that wasn't really what I what I what I meant. I meant they'll, they'll be watching with their eyes uh, mm. the television screens. I'm not a watch guy. I don't know if you are you guys watch guys. No, I don't no, wear. No, a watch. I don't. I don't. I don't wear a watch, Drew. But I I do have uh, you know the old Timex Iron Man um, ah. in my drawer at home. So maybe I'll pull out the old Timex Iron Man for that uh, I, game. I always wanted one of those calculator watches back those in the day. Both of my kids for their birthdays wa- uh, requested step watches. So, because that's perfectly normal things for eight and six year olds to wear. So now I get like minute by minute updates from both of my children as to how many steps uh, they've taken in the course of a day. So, and then Drew uh, pulls out his pocket watch that he purchased in nineteen twenty nine. No, I walk around with Tim's with with Tim's grandfather clock at all times, oh, yes. but that thing does not take steps. It does not keep track of the number of steps uh, that uh, that it takes. It's really frustrating my buddy had one of those ones way. that you could con- you could change the channel. So we'd be at the University College uh, at the University of Manitoba. And he would just go and he could randomly take, he'd be like, what kind of TV is that? And he'd change the channel. I did not know that that was a watch thing that could happen. I need to know more about that. There you go. There you go. Dave M. uh, (laughs) I did not know that technology ever existed, but good to know. Nonetheless, Uh, big thanks to Sean Reynolds. Big thanks to Craig Button. Big thanks to all of you for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's your responsibility. That's what makes sure that everyone meets back here uh, for the Illegal Curve Hockey Show and, of course, the Illegal Curve Post Game Show. Big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal Curve who make the post-game show, the Saturday show, the website, a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Frosty Winnipeg, has it up He's on the screen. He's got to update his list, though. 
Yeah, well, no, it's it's pretty close. It's pretty good. Uh, Ariel Elias had rumors tonight, originally from Kentucky. So there you go. It's like everything is coming full circle for me. The comedian of rumors from Kentucky, as is, of course, as you all know, my wife. Uh, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's Rollies Transfer, and Grid Park. Support these fine businesses because of their continued support of illegal curve hockey we'll see you back here next saturday as a reminder illegalcurve.com updated all week long with your latest news and information from jets training camp and preseason games and of course our social media at illegal curve wherever you may be looking for us for dave manuk for ezra ginsburg i'm your host drew mandel thanks for joining us if it's saturday it's the illegal curve hockey show live on youtube and all of our social media platforms Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.